Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. I'm sad about my coffee, but it is what it is. Do you want some? Well, I guess I've been drinking on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's less about that and more. Um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily care. I just. It's just black coffee, right? Yeah. 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 You like a little bit of like. Something. I like a little bit of cream. Yeah. I like a little bit of cream. I, I, I order black because whenever they put cream in, it's like too much. That's also a thing. You know, like I'd rather suffer with the blackness. <laughs> I don't know. Suffer. <laughs> Tag the, it. No, don't. <laughs> with the, of my coffee. Of my coffee. Like, especially today. Like last time I had a black coffee from there, it was like a little bit weak and this is a little bit stronger, which is why I only like sipped the top. <laughs> How is Duncan? Yeah, it's good. It's Their iced coffees are a little cheaper than like say Starbucks. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't have that distinguished of a profile that I need to pay. Like, you know, it's about like $4, I guess. I think a Starbucks a similar size would be like six. You want to how much I paid for this thing? Five. Nine. See? And I have like three times as much coffee. Nine. And I spilled half of it. <laughs> yeah, more than half. More than half. <laughs> yeah. That is way too much money to spend on a cup of coffee. It kind of makes sense. I, I guess I could. See, here it is like my uh, selfishness coming out. I, could, I was like, yeah, I'll get a coffee for my trip. I, was, I wasn't like, hey, let me pick you up something. I it, only you. Just occurred, it only just occurred to me. And I was just like, yeah, good idea. I'm going to take care of myself. Like, see, there we are. Like, Fair, sure. Yeah. But I think that, I don't know, I offered you and it prompted an idea. And it was probably like, I don't know, in the moment, like it, almost a little bit of an escape. Like yeah. a little bit of like of peace of like yeah. sitting in that line and ordering the thing, yeah. getting the thing that you ordered for you. And, and on the, on the drive, I was like, I need a little decompression time. Like maybe I'll just, and you were like the later you can be here, the better. <laughs> Honestly, so. I spent way too much time at the gym this morning. Oh, I went up and ended up. Yeah. I spent way too much time up there, which is, it's good and bad. Like good for like, I guess growth and Martin, whatever. Um, but there also is a, it's a hard balance to stay away from the gym and spend yeah. more time at home. Yeah. Yeah. So were you like rushing back here basically or 1120 that's okay. when I left. And so yeah. it's like a 20 minute drive, but then I like being able to get all set up before everything. The right. cameras are the only thing that I don't set up beforehand. Yeah. I bought that very pole so that those cameras don't have to sit on, um, what are they called? Those things, uh, tripods. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and oh, so you just have cameras. Cool. Yeah. So then they connect just like these lights do. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're called super clamps. And then, so the super clamp can have a little attachment onto it that'll sit on. And then, so I'll just film directly from like, I'll have my angle set up and it'll always exist right there. Um, but I order them and then I ship them to the house in Texas. Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Nuts indeed. I like that you say nuts. It's like a, it's like darn, yeah. but it's not, it's, yeah. it's, it's not super intuitive for me to listen to. It's like nuts is a weird <laughs> way to say it. Yeah. Shoot or yeah. darn, yeah. but nuts is. Part of it was like, and I was saying that, oh, we have like this kind of like secret little language of like funny little phrases that we say. That would be one that was like, that's definitely from that. Really? Oh yeah. Where does it originate? I don't know. Just like, it's just like, it's a, it's, it is like a funny way. So like if something goes wrong and you're trying to, you're trying to like, uh, 
make it seem a little bit better. It's like, ah, nuts. Like it puts it in perspective. Like this is not a big, oh no. It's like a shoot. And ah, nuts is kind of like a, it's just like a silly kind of thing, I guess. Maybe the, maybe the Simpsons. I don't know for sure. watched it. He's. So I had never watched it until I had started dating Aria as well. And that was like, because I wasn't allowed to, and we didn't have cable uh, growing up. So like I had, I had a very like sheltered childhood and he was allowed to like watch whatever he wanted on, t- on TV. So like part of that is like very like, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's a very different, I miss a lot of cool stuff. Like in the nineties, that was such a good like Why decade to grow up in and like watch TV of and like things like, I remember the friends finale happening and people talking about it, but I didn't really, I wasn't really aware why things like that my parents didn't really like let us watch that much tv why they're big on education are they educators my mom is an educator yeah what kind of educator art education for her but she like you know but education was still like really pushed in our house because of like how it adds value to your life but like it it was (sighs) did it yes uh, but I think, it, I think I, for, I think, it, I think things like watching the Simpsons growing up and like having those like funny things and like those experiences also add value to your life as well. And it necess- shouldn't necessarily be one or the other. Was it frustrating? Did you feel left out? Looking back now, I do. A little now bit. Now you do. Now I do. At the time, I don't know. I was a really, I was really a nerdy kid. I did like like to read. I was kind of a horse girl too. Like, you know, I, so not really, maybe I was like, Oh, you know, but looking back, I'm like, Oh, I really missed out on some like cool things. Like I did a little bit, like, obviously like kids at school talk, like I like sort of participated in like life, but there was just like, asp- like, especially when I compare my childhood to like his like watching TV and, and just, it, it was, it's been, it's, it was a different vibe for sure. Like, here's an example. My, my mom wanting to increase our reading comprehension and things would turn off the volume of the TV, but put on subtitles. So we could like read it, <laughs> obviously. That's a while. And to this day, I still, I see memes about it and everything like, uh, that you can't like comprehend what people are saying unless you're seeing the subtitles also. I really, like I can do that, but I really prefer to see the subtitles. And if for no other reason, but that if there's like a distraction or something that I can like look back and read what happened. Or if I didn't like understand what somebody was saying, like if it's said rushed or quietly or whatever, those things too, but like it really does like help me like understand what I'm watching better now. Rushed, yeah. quietly. Yeah, I can see the prints. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It seems like I've. Where did he come from? Like, did, was he born here? Yeah, and raised. Yeah, and so were his parents first generation. Yeah, his parents left Iran right before the revolution. So, like, his parents Iran the women wore wore bikinis on beaches. Say that one more time. And his parents around before the revolution and things went sideways for women's rights, especially like as an example of like the country that they grew up in or like, and then left was like women would freely be able to wear like bikinis on beaches. And that's clearly no longer the case in today's wow. society. So they both left, um, had all three of their kids here. Um, he's the youngest. So um, they all speak Farsi, but his Farsi is the least good because his parents were more Americanized by the time that, you know, he came and I, yeah. So like he can understand for sure. He speaks with family a little bit. If he's in trouble, like his mom will switch to Farsi in front of me. So that she, you know, there's some things, but like uh, his oldest brother, I think is like, you know, very good. And like the middle one is like 
you know, a little bit less. And then, yeah. Is he the youngest? He's the youngest. Yeah. How many are there? Three. How many of there? I know that there's two of you, but yeah, I guess, now, yeah. uh, I guess for, for people that are yeah. tuning in, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so when did you start weightlifting? Um, I started weightlifting in high school, but it was kind of a slow progression to find it. So originally in, in freshman Fayette, once a week, we went to the weight room. And at the time I was in ballet and that really had my full heart, but I was not good at sports, didn't enjoy sports. And I think looking back, I, uh, I think my eyes had a lot to do with it because I've always had poor vision, but I think I had a really hard time tracking objects as they like move through space, um, like with my eyes. And if you can't see the ball that's flying at your head, you have very little chance of catching it. I won't say that was like the only reason because I also couldn't throw and like, you know, just not very athletic in like those terms. But we went to the weight room once a week while the strength training class like did dodgeball or something, just kind of like a once a week switch it up thing. And I found that all you need in the weight room is good form, which I, had because of ballet, you know, I could like comprehend that your body needs to do X, Y, Z all at the same time. Like, so that athleticism was there, um, but you need good form and you need grit and determination, which generally speaking, I feel like I kind of have in spades when I really apply myself. So, um, so but that combination, I was like, Oh, I kind of like this. And I took, I basically took a strength class the next year, uh, you know, as an elective and really started in high school in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Sophomore year of high school. And then it just sort of snowballed. Like I found that I really liked it. So when I didn't have that elective anymore, I would go after school. Um, and then when there wasn't school, they have a summer strength and conditioning program. And so I did that. So when I found like actually Olympic lifting, it was through that program. Um, after my junior year of high school, we went through the whole program, you know, squats and kind of conditioning and like the training and just kind of very general, basic athletic training with through those means. But at the end of the summer, like a lot of programs do, they maxed out. Now, keep in mind, we hadn't done any like Olympic lifting, but that's what the football players were doing. So that was what our kind of uh, <laughs> less athletic group, because we, we, I wasn't training with the football players, but like, you know, it's same program, but just kind of like a less... Uh, intense. intense group. Yeah. So, but they're like, this is what we're doing. And they explained, you know, that, that you pull the bar up as high as you can. And that's like part of the strength part. And then you have to be faster than gravity under it because, um, you know, it c- goes to velocity zero. And before it starts to fall during that, like half second, less than half second, you have to get underneath it and then receive the bar. And then again, you have to be strong to like squat it up. And I just thought like the concept of that was like, so cool. I was immediately like in love, like straight up. Like I know that like love at first sight can kind of exist because it was like that from the beginning for weightlifting. And I never looked back, even when I've had like issues, like with weightlifting, like thinking I'm not like a good enough lifter or like any of the things that you go through as an athlete, like still always really loved it and like not been able to look back. Um, but this was back in 2006 was when I first was introduced to like hang power clean. So that's when I tell people I started like Olympic lifting, but I had been training for like you know, a couple of years, like in a weight room before then, like just general strength training. So in total, how many years would you say you have with the movements? 2006. I think, I think how it's long is that? about 17 Seven, years. Okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, so yeah. I've started rounding up to almost 20 because if you take into consideration the strength training before that <laughs> a little bit, like I'm like, eh, like about 20 years really. Um, but yeah, so, but, but this is way, 2006 is before CrossFit was really popular and really people like forget about this, but before the internet really had a whole lot on it. So there was like, there were YouTube things and some resources, but it wasn't at all like how it is today. You can just go online and like kind of look 
up and there's tons of resources, tons of resources. You can kind of teach yourself or try to, but I had to do that by asking questions of people who knew anything at all about Olympic lifting, including like maybe they had, you know, years ago in college done it for the football team and what my coach said to me then is what I'm saying to you now. And I had very specific questions because <laughs> I'm just that kind of like athlete. And I was like trying to figure out the most efficient way to do it. And it feels really hard when I do this, trying to figure it all out on my own. And one thing kind of led to another. And like, I found a coach eventually, but that was, um, I was, uh, in a, my maybe sophomore year of college before I actually had like a coach. It's cool that your high school coaches had enough background or understanding of the movements to say, this is how this works. I mean, I didn't have that. It was like, we're power cleaning today. You go from here to here. It was never like a, even a discussion of how it's supposed to look. It's just get it there. And so people were dead or or power cleaning like three fifteen or three sixty five. And to me, I was like, my God, that that's an insane number, but it was always high catches. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I finally started looking at videos and seeing people like tuck under, I was like, huh, this is pretty cool. This is, it's, it's significantly different and kind of, and, and fun. It's yes. very fun. Yeah. It's very, very fun. I know I was actually very lucky considering that there weren't a lot of resources. I guess I, I also like made people my resources and bugged them and asked them a ton of questions. And I was lucky that even my high school coach, he, uh, was very, is very involved in the NS, uh, uh, NSCA. Yeah. Uh, he was the president for like our state, I think. And so he like had connections. Oh, so, when, so when I went to college, um, he kind of like asked like as a professional favor. I mean, I was like very interested. Like I, I borrowed his like college anatomy books when I was in high school. Cause I was like, I want to learn about all of this. This is so cool. Uh, <laughs> and so, but anyway, I think he was like, I've got a really special girl who's like into this and like expressing interest in wanting to be a strength coach. Cause at the time that's what I kind of thought or physical therapy, you know, one of those kind of areas. Um, and he kind of asked a professional favor of like strength and conditioning staff at the university of Minnesota where I went. So I was, you know, born and raised in Minnesota, like my high school was in Minnesota. And so he just kind of knew those people and they were like, yeah, we'll take care. They didn't at the time have any other undergrad interns at all. So like wow. for my whole time there, everyone I was working with was a master's student or like, or better. But, um, at that point, that's when I got more resources in, ter- in terms of people and I could ask more questions. And, um, one of the assistant strength coaches had done a couple competitions and they just kind of all pressured me into doing it. Like, like any kind of good, like support system, they got this like positive peer pressure. Like, no, you got to do this. Like, you know, got to get your singlet, got to get your shoes, got, you know, like That's all so the fun. different things. But like, we didn't really have any idea what we were doing. And that very first meet that I did, I met so many people that like later would be not only like super close to me, but just, well, yeah, just like changed my life entirely. Like I had, I went to China with somebody who was at like my first Olympic lifting meet and didn't even look twice at them because I didn't know. And it's just so cool that it like opened up this whole, you know, like world for me. Can you tell me a little more about that individual? Who were they? Like, how did they impact? And then why were you in China with them? Um, so living in Minnesota, like our, our, uh, we, so his name is Jean-Ping Ma. He's well-known in, in the weightlifting world uh, as Coach Ma. Uh, for many years, I called him Jean-Ping, but I think he prefers Coach Ma, so I'll say Coach Ma. But he um, basically would do a trip to China, where he is from. Um, he was an Olympian <clears throat> and one of their first, like, superstars. Like, these days, weightlifting in China, like, they're a, like they produce weightlifters like nobody else can. It's crazy. Um, but he was one of the first 
kind of in that like generation. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of connections. He's also very well respected by people in the weightlifting community in China. So he just took a group of like kind of random Americans. There was a Canadian with us. And like, so, but I would like drive down to like go uh, train with him um, from Minneapolis down to Iowa uh, where he was so like, you know, five ish hours maybe to drive, to train for like a weekend and then like drive back. So, so, so cool. I had like kind of had connections with him for this whole time. And then he just presented this as an opportunity. We can get a flight for pretty cheap. We can get accommodations for pretty cheap and we'll train at the university of, um, or Beijing sport university. And so it wasn't like their top training center where like Lu Zhaojun trains, but it was like, um, like a D one school basically. And, um, yeah, that was a wild experience. We what an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, that's so fucking cool. crazy. Yeah. But I didn't have to be any like level of good at lifting, but it re- but it really <laughs> like well, let me be clear, they thought I was terrible. <laughs> like this poor this poor like captain, all he had was this PVC pipe and the word and disapproving like look of like no. And then he like poked me with his PVC pipe like how I should be like in my split jerk and then I'm like okay, okay, okay. And then I do it again and then no, and poke, 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 poke. But like we, like it was really fun because I actually maintained some friendships for many years after that. And it's since a little bit fizzled out. But like even with a language barrier between like Google Translate and just different things, I kind of like kept some pen pals, uh, electronic pen pals for several years after that. But does Coach Mao still coach? And wh- why was he here in the United States? He lives here in the United States, okay. and he does still coach. And in fact, um, I should know. He's taken a position, I think, at a university, and there's even scholarship opportunities um, available to lifters who are like would consider training with him. Um, when so, you sorry, go for it. Oh, just like uh, so. Support for Ben Thinking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. I got my lawnmower and weed whacker Recently, and I immediately put the weed whacker inside of my nostrils, no nicks, no snags, and I have never been able to smell things as good as after I used the crop, the weed whacker. The crop preserver makes my balls smell nice every single day that I'm in the gym, and of course, we love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code thinking at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code thinking unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped it is, you know, it would be an opportunity for some young lifters out there, really. There's not a lot of weightlifting scholarships. No, there's not. And so I was going to add, when you, when you first started getting into the sport, were there scholarships or was that like on your mind and looking for places around the United States would offer programs or did you, were you like, I'm have to be in within the state? I assumed I had to be within the state because um, of in-state tuition, number one. Um, And number two, there weren't a lot of programs. Um, Northern Michigan University. But that's where, like, um, 
really outstanding lifters went like Sage Bergener went there. Jessica Lucero went there. Uh, Matt Frazier was at like my second weightlifting competition ever and like went there. Like those are the lifters that went and got their scholarships there, you know, like really, really good lifters who I admire a lot. So, and, and also I was like well into college by the time, I mean, I started kind of late. I really didn't start like train, like competing in weightlifting until my sophomore year of college. So I was already kind of like well into college. I like kind of knew my way around, sort of had friends at my school. And, you know, I was just, I liked the academic feel of the University of Minnesota. So I wanted to stay there for sure. But um, yeah. I would imagine not transferring at that at that time is just not, exactly. not, not ideal. Yeah. Northwestern also seems to be the same thing for powerlifting. They bring a lot of powerlifting. They were big with scholarships and powerlifting as well. It's kind of a fun, fun yeah. school. Northern Michigan. Sorry, no, no, yeah, I yeah. misunderstood. Northern Michigan. Northern Michigan not University. Northwestern. No, not Northwestern. Cool. Northern Michigan University, like in the upper peninsula of Michigan, okay. which is a beautiful area, but also like a little small town ish. And I, like I was, you know, Minnesota is kind of a, like a Midwest state, but like I still was going to school in Minneapolis. You know, it was still like right next to the city. And I have always sort of been somebody who enjoys like city life more than small town life, I guess. Very fun. And you're, how long were you in China? About two weeks. We got to do a lot of sightseeing as well. So it wasn't like training every day for two weeks, but um, often enough, you know, and we got, got a lot of good feedback too. And, and uh, it was really cool to develop friendships with people who like, and, and, and learn ways of communicating just coaching wise. Like I'm laughing that he said, just said no, and then poked me and different things, but he actually like really helped in a lot of different ways. And there were a lot of the electors, but he was just like the, the team captain sort of, and just kind of stayed after uh, helping. I don't anymore. No, I don't. I've always thought of him as the captain because we didn't even really speak. It wasn't like we had a moment of, hi, I'm Natalie. And hi. Just started we, lifting. We, he was like, no. Yeah, truly. <laughs> None of that inside this gym. <laughs> truly. And it was just sort of like a, like, like when you see somebody, like when you or I see somebody kind of struggling to do either powerlifting or weightlifting and like they clearly need some help. You just go over there and go, oh, hey, like, I don't, but we did, but there was no, you know, like moment of like meeting, I guess, like in that sense. So I, I don't know his name, but I've always thought of him as the captain who like, you know, helped me out a lot. And I remember him, we got pictures together and, and all these things, but I, I don't know. His name. A lot of little, really cool, like validations that this is like the right path mm-hmm. to, to go down, like the, the, the coaching staff and then yeah. the network for the NSCA yeah. and then the school and then friends and then yeah, the trip to China. I mean, all of it is just constantly validating. Like this is a good sport and good community to be around. Yes. And um, somebody who really made it that way in the Midwest at all was my coach. But I had, in my opinion, I've had three main coaches in my life. Um, and of course these two, these two men, the first two were at that first meet as well. So I did go to China with Coach Ma, but my main coaches that like impacted my career the most were Roger Sadecki and Charlie Jones. And they both were also at that meet. I've got that great footage of like Charlie's videoing my first lift without knowing that he would be my coach for like well over a decade after that. It's just kind of commenting on like my terrible first time, <laughs> <laughs> like attempt at snatching on a platform. Um, and in a very typical Charlie way too, if you knew him, like the comments he gave were really funny. Um, but the reason that like weightlifting was so big in Minnesota and I had enough um, resources even available was because of what Roger did in the state um, being, he was our, he was our president, you know, our LWC president. And he just like, 
yeah, I don't know. He was, he was the one who like made weightlifting possible. He's known as the godfather of Minnesota weightlifting. And he just, uh, he's of course since passed away for people who don't know, but, uh, at his funeral, so many people just came out in droves and I was quite blown away and mm. touched, but so many people were like, well, he made weightlifting possible for me. And if, if as an athlete, when you think about what that means is like, that's a huge chunk of your life and identity. And he did that for like hundreds of people. Yeah. So it's pretty special. So it's because of him that I was like able to like, I don't know, like be, be, be how I am today, but like even entertain the like, Oh, that's such a cool thing. I hang power clean and that I could entertain it for long, much longer than that was in big part due to like resources he had sort of unknowingly and knowingly put into place around the state. It gives me chills. Yeah. It really does change. <laughs> it's why you are kind of like the way you talk, the way you speak, the way you hold yourself. It, it all has to do with the way you have community. You've you've excelled in your sport, yeah. or just existed in your sport, uh -huh. and how you've developed. And it's just coaches have such a cool opportunity to make such a large impact, and yeah. to 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 hear like, just to make it possible yeah. for someone to get introduced into a sport is yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a guy. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like my career choices, my, most of my adult friendships I've found since graduating college, for sure. Um, even my relationship, like there's so many things have been like, because of that, that I went down that path. If I hadn't, it would, you know, I would be a very probably radically different person today. Did you use a lot of those? so you were a teacher mm -hmm. and while you were teaching your kiddos, were you using these skills or like trying to teach them good squats and good like <laughs> jumps and these kinds of things? Oh yeah. So I was an elementary physical education teacher for people to know, not a classroom teacher. It's, you know, a different, so I can apply, you know, what I learned, you yeah. know, in weightlifting to them. Um, and yes, I even went so far as my first year, um, at my most recent school, uh, I went and bought like a whole classroom set of PVC pipes. And I was like, we're all going to learn how to snatch. That is so cool. That is so freaking neat. And honestly, they were amazing at it. But I was like, it, I never really continued it after that first year. But I do have some really darling videos of me in the front of the kindergarten class, like going like, stand up and like drop. And they're all doing so it to varying cool. levels of success in a way only a kindergarten class can. But like, uh, and I, I, I sort of abandoned like going down that route simply because like I knew if I really go was going to uh, invest into like coaching weightlifting, which I even loved, you know, at that stage, clearly I was like trying to get my little kindergartners to snatch um, <laughs> that it just takes too much time and effort uh, that I didn't have. Uh, like, to, like I was trying to be like a good athlete and trying to be like a teacher, you know, and just anything also additional to that, like coaching, you know, uh, coaching high school kids after school, even there, it was just too much to like bite off. It, I had, had a long commute to this like job. It was like 45 minute commute too. So there was like, I just, the pressures on my time were too much that I knew that if I were to do it, how I really wanted to, I wouldn't like something else in my life was going to suffer. So I never, I kind of stopped coaching the kids that I was like teaching around that time. I was like, I just thought I just don't really have the extra, whatever you need to have to give to that. Between what years did you start physical education? What what made you made this first to switch from strength conditioning world or physical therapy into deciding you wanted to have to get it be in the profession of, of teaching? 
physical therapy, I found chemistry too hard and didn't really apply myself to that. In retrospect, I wonder if I could have done it, but I think like that maybe might've been about where my limit of like, uh, my own schooling could probably like, you know, like it would be, it would have been very hard, but I think I could have done it if I was really dead set on it. But, um, and that was because of course, like a lot of people who go into physical therapy, I had an experience with a physical therapist who like really helped my injury. And I was like, wow, I want to do that for people. That's really great. Um, but I, I think I was truly interested in strength and conditioning and I, I was an intern for uh, three and a half years. It was really my first semester of, you know, freshman year. And I did it unpaid for all that time. Damn. Um, it's and a I, long while to work with a lot of D1 athletes. Yes. Yeah. And, and professional athletes too. We had uh, pro hockey guys come back during the summertime uh, and, oh, and some Olympians too, of course, like in that mix as well. Some Crazy. went on to be, you know, go to the Olympics and different things. Um, but really importantly, it was, it was a really amazing time to learn from the strength coaches because as an intern, you're like taking people through their workout. You're not writing their workout and learning about it. But um a lot of those coaches and in particular, uh, Cal Dietz and Sarah Wiley, like they really, uh, took me under the wing and like, would let me like really, uh, ask questions. Cal, we went through super training. Anybody you know familiar with strength and conditioning? Like we went through super training, like as a book, like as a group of interns, like we are going to read chapters one through three or however it went and like take notes and ask questions. And keep in mind, I had not taken a lot of the science classes at that time that I needed to fully understand it, but I really did like my damnedest to, to, to try like notes and things. And so much that, you know, I, the binding on super training has always been bad, but like I tore through that binding, had to like, get it like not three hole punched, but like punched back together <laughs> to even be a manuscript. Um, but so I was really lucky to like, it wasn't just that they were like, here's the workout and like go run our athletes through it. And just kind of like using me for whatever they really were like answering my questions about Olympic lifting, like Jeez. taking us through super training, like learning, like part of it was so that, you know, like they could get refreshed on it too, which is really helpful. But, uh, it was definitely a lot of just being very generous, generous with our time and knowledge and like explaining things to me, especially considering I was young and hadn't taken a lot of classes. What a good community of coaches. I was very lucky. pour back in to Cal Dietz also wrote a triphasic periodization program. I was there when he was writing that. No? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. He he co-wrote that with Ben Peterson, who was around. Yeah. 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 And they they used different examples of like, they used different examples of like, uh, so like, you know, there was another, uh, you know, coach there, Tom, they just use their, each other's names in the book and things. So I, I was, I was just like around when they were writing it. So I was in on the discussions and wow. I was kind of there when like, you know, Cal was like explaining and kind of like, uh, sort of like conceiving of this idea through all of his other research that he was looking at, you know, from other people who had written stuff. Like I was trying to learn stuff, but then like creating something of his own too. So. And that's yeah. pretty much how I wrote training for a long time after reading that book. I was like, Oh my God, I love this. Like yeah. it's, it's, it, it, it love the way it's sectioned. So try, we, we do strength and then we, or hypertrophy, then we go strength, then we go power, power for a very short period of time, like one to two weeks. Right. Um, and ideal power is 80% of total one MR. It's where peak power usually exists. And I, I, I read that book through and through like the several eccentric, times. E- the eccentric phases, the isometric phases. Yeah. It was yeah. such a good book because it involves so many really fun aspects around training and then how to also, 
program that training? Like, yeah. what are the, what are the terms? Like, I, isometrics versus mm-hmm. eccentrics, and then what is a stretch reflex? Or mm-hmm. um, he talks a lot about like the, the real sign of power is being able to relax, not how we how fast we can contract. Yeah. And so yeah. it was just it was super impactful for me when I read it when I was probably like my freshman, maybe sophomore year of college ish. Yeah. What a good time. Yeah. That's right around. Yeah. I was right there when they were working on that manuscript, honestly. You yeah. learned from like one of the and, and the, yeah one of the best. I saw your reaction. When I said you know Cal Cal. Yeah, Sarah. I was like, <laughs> did you just say like yeah yeah wow yeah I was really fortunate. So I, I like I got obviously good schooling through the university, but like that really impacted me a lot. And it, like so I did decide, of course, not to go down the strength and conditioning route. I maybe I maybe should have like tried a little harder. And I just sort of had a gut feeling that it wasn't for me. It was still at the time a bit, maybe too much of a men's world. And I think now that I'm a little bit more like mature and kind of like know a little bit more about just the way the world works, I think I could have navigated that better. But again, I was very young, even compared to the other interns kind of there. So I, in retrospect, I maybe like would have been able to make that like really work. But I, my mom was a teacher. I have always sort of been a teacher at heart. And of course, in strength and conditioning, you can still be a teacher at heart. You're teaching people how to do stuff. You're writing their programs. There's an aspect of that. But I, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just suddenly like elementary FIED, especially elementary or high school was the way to go. I, I thought for a while that I would be like my high school teacher, RJ, uh, uh, who like, you know, introduced me to all this, had an excellent strength and conditioning program, taught strength and conditioning classes to high school kids all day. I still think like that I would have been excellent at for sure. Um, and maybe I wouldn't have burned out as te- of teaching as much mm-hmm. if I had had that kind of position at first. But, um, I, I, it's you. Can, it's hard to like go into a school district, you know, as a young like blonde teacher who's like in their young twenties and be like, "Look, I have like a lot of experience." And by that time, I did have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge that I could have applied to a high school program. But when you are going into a program where there are teachers who have been there for thirty years and they're you know very masculine and they've always made their team like strong and they've been winning, it is hard to be like like, you know, as a blonde, you know, that my positions would be taken seriously or that the the school district would realize that they actually have a like very valuable resource on their hands. Um, and it never really paved, you know, came out that way, I guess. I think being young doesn't help, but at the same time, being a lady in the strength conditioning world, especially as, as strength training is still fairly new and growing. Yeah. It's like, she, I don't know. She probably, she read a book or two. Right. Probably. Yeah. You know? She's like lifted away, but she's not as strong as the guys anyway. Yeah. Like that kind what of What can she really teach us? Right. Right. And especially when like, if the program has been working, why, you know, there's lots of reasons why, but like, uh, it just never happened that I was able to get a position like that. Um, but I also love young children. Like there's something fun and innocent and that you don't get in with high school kids. Like high school kids are kind of like grown elementary school kids. There's an aspect of that, but it's not quite the same. A lot more uh, hormones and emotions yeah. going on. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions with yeah. kiddos too. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of frustration for, yeah. they, because they don't know how to use, I guess they don't really know what, how to do, what to do with all these feelings and what is mad and what is sad. Right. Or so, what the feelings are. Even. Yeah. Or, yeah. How, how do you determine it? What is sadness? Right. right. Um, do, I think that, I don't know. On the outside perspective, I feel like whether it would have been either direction, it seems to me on the outside, again, on an outside perspective that mm-hmm. teaching is, um, 
it's easy to get burnt out. Yes. Almost in any area you're in. And mm-hmm. I've seen, I've had some like really, really fun teachers. And unfortunately, a lot of times it seems like they're battling uphill battles constantly with, with the bureaucracy mm-hmm. with, uh, involved. And then also just trying to teach students and then you only have them for a year and then they're off again. Mm-hmm. It seems hard, stressful. It is. My, my situation was a little different because I had some of my students, my last school that I was at, I was at for six years. So my six or seven, seven years, um, I saw two classes of those uh, kindergartners, the class that I got when I was first there and then the next one all the way through to fifth grade. That's so cool. I do get to, I do get that long-term relationship with some of the students. Um, but it, but it's still a lot of people. And when you see that many people, it's really hard to connect with that many people, especially when you are somebody who really wants to, because you're teaching, because you want to make a difference. But uh, it, it, there's a lot of reasons why people get burnt out from teaching. But yeah, those are definitely what you named, lots of bureaucracy and and things. I think if I, quite honestly, I think if I was like paid what I think teachers should be getting paid, then it probably would have made a difference or at least like had me in the profession for a couple of years longer, I guess. Yeah. Only, and even to say like a couple of years longer, it's also still wild to me. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, it depends on how much you're getting paid. Like, you know, it was like, was it a hard job in certain ways, but also a great job in certain ways? Yes. But like, I don't feel like near the end, at least I didn't feel like I was getting paid, like what I really was like worth or contributing. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's the reality of that system. Right. Yes. Um, Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, we'll, we'll see if I go back to the class. I mean, there's parts of it that I miss for sure, but. Would you ever go into a collegiate setting and coach or like teach college students? Is that ever an idea that you'd like to get into? It's not really one that I've like considered very much, but it's not something that I would, that's like a hard no, you know, but I, I feel like I would probably have to be a little bit more, uh, experienced, even though I am very experienced in the field and would like have a lot to offer college students. I think, I think just like even, even more would be like valuable. I think you really have to have had like a really good career and like accomplished some things and contributed some things on your own before you go like telling young people like how to do certain things. Do you think that you, I don't know. I think you know a lot. I think you've had That's a true. lot of experience. That's true. Yeah. I don't I feel like you're downplaying a little bit. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Why? I mean, I mean, like, I've had college professors that absolutely sucked. That's very that true. That that's very true. Care. I mean, perhaps I'm comparing myself to the likes of Cal Dietz, you know, like, yeah, that's Fair. my standard for like, what Fair. if you're going to be teaching young people, be a Cal Dietz. And that's like that's... really impossible to do. He's like incredible. So, yeah. or, and it's, and Sarah, Sarah Wiley as well. They both like put up with a million questions from me for, throughout the years. But I think yeah. those questions ultimately make everybody better. You and them. It's like, if they don't know, then it's their now almost <laughs> a responsibility to like this person keeps on asking me all these damn questions. Right. I really got to stay up on my shit, which right. is it's, it makes not only them better, you better, but also the athletes that are coaching better. That's true. And I mean, I was, I was like fully not knowing anything. So I go, okay, well, can you explain the stretch shortening cycle to me? And like right now on a drop of a dime, could you like a little bit, but like probably a not, to, bit, but, but not, not to your satisfaction. <laughs> you know. And so it, there hopefully was an aspect of like, it keeps people up on their shit, but eventually that's why, that's why it was helpful to have like weightlifting coaches is like, they finally were like, you know, you get a chance to like, uh, really ask a bunch of like very specific weightlifting questions. Like if I'm asking like, you know, should my you know front foot and my jerk be like two inches over here or two inches over there, like very specific things, like, uh, you know, weightlifting coaches were the way to go. <laughs> Did you find that some of those questions maybe weren't 
the most, like it didn't really matter that much. Like you had the question, like, do I really need to move two inches there or there? Where was it ever like, it, it doesn't really matter, but whatever feels comfortable kind of idea. Um, or did it, did it make biomechanical sense to make that two inch change? Um, Hmm. Well, it depends on what like exactly you're talking about. Like my, my example of like two inches over here or two inches over there is like very like vague. If you're talking about is the bar close to you or two inches away from you, it makes a huge difference. So it depends on like what exactly is the situation, but I was just trying to figure out what, like, like how to do things the most efficiently, like snatching is still like somewhat of a mystery, I guess, you know, like, really. uh, I mean, yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little. Let's tell you, it's kind of like I, I don't golf, but uh, I hear pe- other people compare it to the golf swing all the time. Yeah. And like, sure, like Tiger Rose probably knows how to golf, or you know, swing his, you know, whatever club. The club, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't golf. <laughs> no, clearly, uh, but you know, like. Like I like I want it's it's I don't know maybe perhaps that there's always just like a little like sprinkling of magic in snatching anyway like you do it like yes it's very closely tied to like physics and biomechanics but it also seems to defy physics and biomechanics which is why it's like how did that happen especially when you see elite lifting in person that's when it's like I really don't understand you know like it's it's just, it's such it's one of those things that you can explain very simply and like oh yeah that makes sense but when you start going down the rabbit hole like especially when it's like really on a one-on-one basis of like different limb lengths and whether you are more inclined to be like a strength athlete who needs a lot of time under tension to develop, like in a jerk, like, are you somebody who like can be like bouncy and can do a like quick little dip and drive, or do you need a little deeper dip and drive? Like there's so many things that like, you really have to like, I don't know, like do a lot of like learning and, you know, I think you just never are fully know everything in, in weightlifting the more anybody who's like yeah like fully know I, I, yeah i know how to snatch like i know what snatches is i could explain it to sure. anybody but like i think that there's still something kind of like magical that i couldn't really explain there's still room yeah. for improvement somewhere yeah. and it's constantly changing i think as athletes and coaches and now i'm a little bit of both like you always have to be le- like listening to what other people say about it or like learning more about it and experimenting on your own like what feels easier as well yeah there is a lot and then understanding that there's good coaching and then maybe not so good coaching people that that maybe have experience as an athlete but aren't always the 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 best coaches or maybe didn't have the best coach right and they had a natural gift and so now they're just trying to communicate to you what they think is the way or what their coach told them right Uh, what maybe also may have worked for them but is not um, a universal truth. Right. Exactly. And there, there is a lot of that in weightlifting. Like you kind of, when you have a beginner, you sort of teach them what's generally accepted as like, this is all pretty good technique, but there is like lots of wiggle room for your individualization, but that doesn't come for like, you know, right away. Like you might be more inclined to be one way or the other in, I don't know, various aspects of your lifting, but like you, you've got to like really kind of develop the absolute basics and foundation first. But I was always such a like kind of studious person, like taking notes in my training journal and things. So I think that kind of has like really helped me on my coaching journey that like I can, you know, 
you know, look back and not only just look back at my notes, but like I did a lot of like reflecting and trying to figure it out on my own. Like I didn't just do what coaches said. I mean, I did do what coaches said, but I also wanted to like, like know why and like learn more about it just for the interest level. Not because it's like, I doubt what you say. Like, tell me why I've got to do a clean pull. Like that sounds hard. Like, no, it's more like, I just want to know why it works. Like, you know, kind of the curious, curiousness of like, you know, just, it's so cool. Like, tell me more about why, why it works. Like that aspect of like, just my personality and my approach to lifting from the day, day one, I think has like transferred to like being able to coach really well. And I was lucky to have a good coach who knew all those answers and things, but uh, yeah. I, I think that two different things. So a lot of people, used the, one of the first thing you said was, um, I don't know, I couldn't, I'm not going to be able to reference it immediately, but or like exactly, but people like what, is having the foundations ready and when does it get more personalized? It's when you're ready. And that's very ambiguous. I think very frustrating for a lot of people and and for me and I mean for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's still it's some people just get it so quickly and yeah good for them it's annoying t- isn't it <laughs> a little bit <laughs> so maybe there are people who are maybe there are people who are more gifted than i am who like can understand snatching but i'm still not there maybe that's my like back to my ath- unathleticness with like football and stuff maybe that's like where like i don't know like maybe other people get it better but like there's still like that sprinkle of magic to me i think but i do really like the like the the constant note taking was it's as, as being very helpful and then it being fueled by curiosity. Mine was fueled by like, I don't know that like, that doesn't feel right. If you're telling me this and it just doesn't make as much sense to me, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and research. And then that's, that was my kind of introduction into figuring out my body and how it moved. It's like my freshman, sophomore year. It's like, we're just going to do these things and you're just going to squat either a lack of information or what seemed like information that didn't necessarily fit my body type. And mm-hmm. it was like this narrow squat or shoulder width squat. And I was like, man, I'm really not very good at this. I, like I can't get down very far as, as far as you want me to and still maintain some level of balance. So is it like, because I need to sit in this squat position more often? I did it for a while. It's like, this doesn't, still doesn't feel very comfortable. For snatching, yes. For snatching, yes. Yeah, I got to get better at that. But I can, but I can be a wider position, right? Right, And and that's the, that's the thing that I've learned. But I've also learned the, the, the biomechanical or the anatomical differences that make a difference in how we move. And so like, I have a very, very high hip and it's like, okay, well then that makes sense. I have a, I have a large femur, a, a lengthy femur. Let me go ahead and widen out my my squat a little bit. Uh, I'm knock kneed, so I can I can externally rotate my toes a little bit and still get a good amount of torque out of my hip. Like this makes sense. Like I can I can make those alterations for me rather than everybody saying no. You need to have foot forward. You mm-hmm. need to have foot out. Your knees need to be here or there. It's like there's there's some there's allowance for the individual. Yeah. When you were going through this and trying to do the research, like to figure out why it didn't feel right, did you have like a really strong coach in your life at that time? Or were you trying to figure it out on your own? I had a really strong coach in the fact that he was very encouraging to to be in the gym, but I did not have very much guidance in the gym. And so it was... Um, a lot of T-Nation. I don't know if you ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of T-Nation. <laughs> and then that's the first time I bought an NCSA book not, or NS, NSCA book. I know. I was getting the no, acronym yeah. wrong too. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at I used to go to their conferences all the time. 
There's okay. one here um, in like, a couple weeks or yeah, in a couple weeks. Here I am spacing out on it. Funny. Um, so that's interesting though. So it sounds like your thing was like born of frustration of not always having as much guidance as you wanted. Yeah. And I think I had a little bit of that sometimes, but obviously I had so many coaches I could turn to that that wasn't really why I needed to like do research. So I was, I was like, coach says X, Y, Z, like going to do X, Y, Z the most that I can. My coach very rarely spoke. He was coach. My love the guy. Yeah. His reactions to things were always like a, and if we made fun of him for it, right. Mm. It was like this, like this, this, um, almost meme, the living meme that we would always do with each other. Uh, but it was not a lot of like, Hey, we need to do these things in order to have a better squat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like here you have five by five today. He, it was a program. You follow the program, and then that that's pretty much it. Um, he'll tell you when you should come up on your squat, um, which I found was not as valuable as learning when to just do it on your own. And it's like I want to be able to time my stretch reflex so that whenever I hit the bottom of the hole, I can get out. I know where I'm looking for, um, versus relying on somebody to say up, oh, right, and then being like the, the delay in response. Mm-hmm. Of, of knowing when to come up and it was just a lot of little things that I ended up figuring out weren't necessarily the best. Hmm. Um, and no fault to him. I think he did a wonderful job given the information that he had, Uh but you step out of that little circle. And I found another coach that was about 30 minutes away. Uh, Robert Jackson, who had coached several, um, team USA athletes and, um, some world record holders in specific movements. And I was like, okay, like this is my guy. Um, and he gave me free training Uh and didn't charge for a gym membership. Yeah. Roger and Charlie, I was coaching for free too. I was like, yeah. You wild wow. human. Can we yeah. pay you? Like what? Like, yeah. like anything. And so anytime wow. we could giving him some cash extra, him yeah. and his wife, Josie and, and Robert Jackson, I hope that they're still existing. I don't really know. Um, I haven't t- kept in touch with them for a while, but then them. And then there was one other gentleman there. My un- my cousin owns a chiropractic clinic. And so I would go to the chiropractor to get like worked on every once in a while. That's when I also first introduced into physical therapy. Oh, yeah. um, I got two surgeries my sophomore year of high school. And so I was introduced there from them. My uncle was a physical therapist. And so he kind of like helped with some stuff, but he was more discouraging than encouraging. Um, like you're, you're not built for this. Why are you trying so hard? Mm-hmm. Um, and Meaning physical therapy or powerlifting? Powerlifting or being an athlete in general because oh. he had broken his arm when he was in high school. Okay. And so I think that's part of what fueled his like, you shouldn't do this thing. Yeah. Um, it was like, I, I you sh- don't do it because you're not built for it. And he was talking about penation angles and how uh-huh. my my tendon inserts into my my um, my joint. And uh, he's like, you're just, you're just not built. And I was like, how do you know? Like, how can you see you've never done any work? Um, and then three years later, he went or went, went three years. Yeah. Three, four years later, he ended up going to go see me at world. My first, my first competition <laughs> at worlds. And I was like, he traveled. Well, you were Hungary. built for it after all, uh, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that cool? Um, and so, uh, I was introduced first into physical therapy world um, that time. And then one of the ladies who worked at that clinic that I was getting my PT at, her husband was a power lifter and he was deadlifting like 800 pounds or something, whatever at the time. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, this is obviously somebody I can learn from. And he worked with Robert and Josie Jackson at that gym, the Rat Pack gym. And so that's where I was first introduced to like a, a actual coaching style. I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and a little bit like rack pulls and like variations and learning all these different progressions. And that that's, it was a, a really fun time to be able to be introduced to a full community of people that really invited me in. 
That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So that was really when you like kind of first blossomed at that gym, yeah. like fully, like you were interested, like you wanted to, and it just like, for whatever reason, didn't fully like match up yeah. until then. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But enough about me. No, I've never heard that either. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I, it's not really a story that I don't think I've ever said it on, on, on the podcast or really talked about it very much. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that, this format also gets to let you in a little bit about like my background and why yeah, and how yeah. and like, like, like it's fun. It yeah. builds a relationship. It's the best thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody has a different coaching story. Uh, like, you know, there are some athletes who sort of bounce around coaches and I've never really understood that, but probably because I was just lucky with the coaches that I had mm-hmm. and I was smart enough to stay with them you know, until I couldn't <laughs> pretty yeah. much. So yeah. Interesting. I, by the time I got into college, it shapes you as an athlete. So, it, so it's so really, much. it's insight into your like career and just like what powerlifting even means to you. Like your coaches, just like your teachers. Like the reason I was not great at chemistry and didn't pursue phys- like physical therapy was my first chemistry teacher, not in an enjoyable class, Yeah, you know, same. like, so it really like impacts you for a long time, like your feelings and thoughts and like, not only as an athlete that you, you know, were, but as a coach too, that you are like, it all like, you know, shapes you, I guess. I think it's like people that were kind enough to spend the time just to educate, like just, it was, it blew me away. And I think what ultimately brought me into the field, it's like, you can make such a big difference in an individual's life. I would have never gone to college if, I don't know if this is necessarily true, but it, it, it helped me, it, it influenced my, um, my decision to go to college and find a university that was going to pay for my school in based off of my sport. And so I found one that was university of Houston and university of Houston downtown. And I got a full academic scholarship and then partial um, powerlifting scholarship. And I was like, wow, you can actually get paid to do this thing. That's cool. Um, and all my friends were going to the Texas A&M and I, at the time was like, okay, well, university of Houston downtown is the downtown of University of Houston. So not nearly as, uh, maybe as large of a network and maybe not as reputable as Texas A&M. A&M has, has a, has a name. It's another state school. Uh, so in-state tuitions is there. Um, I got accepted. I only applied to two schools. I wasn't really, like, I wasn't super excited, but they had a powerlifting team mm. and my brother went to UT. I didn't want to go to UT. Um, I had initially found a group of individuals over at at UT, uh, Preston Turner, Ian Bell, uh, Preston was like competing at uh, junior sub junior worlds. He had won, he had won junior world several times and he was going to open worlds. Which is like, he was just so kind enough to like, yeah, come up and come up to Austin. We'll help you with the meet. I'll coach you through the thing. And like caught me that team USA existed um, and just opened my eyes to, to, to learn that it, it, that powerlifting was real even after high school. Mm-hmm. Um and constantly having these people in my corner, but people that I also sought out that changed my perspective on life almost entirely. It's like, if you really, really want something, then you can ask somebody and either they'll tell you no, and, they, and it still guides you in the right direction. You say, okay, well, not here, then maybe there. Mm-hmm. Um, or they will give you a tidbit of information and say, yeah, you know, Team USA exists. Okay, cool. How does it work? I don't know, but this guy does. Awesome. Cool. I'll find, I'll talk to that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing in business and same thing in trying to learn how to do all this stuff. It's like, there's somebody else that knows more than me, but if I don't ask, then I'll never know. Right. And it's, if I don't ask you on how to do a snatch, then I, I you know more than me. Why am I going to think that 
that I can just figure it out on my own. Maybe I could, but it'd mm-hmm. take me how many, how, how much longer yeah. to get there. Like, right. I think there's a lot of value to relying on the people that are around you. Like, yeah. and then you build a relationship with those people. And then like you feed each other in like knowledge and, and, and community. And, and I value community immensely. Yes. I can tell. Um, it does, uh, one thing that interested me in your story, is there a lot of drop-off in powerlifting? This is such a small detail of like your story, but is, is there a lot of drop-off in powerlifting after high school? Like are a lot of people involved in it from where you were and then drop off? From where I was college? specific. Because you didn't seem to know that it could be a thing past mm-hmm. high school. Had like, no idea. Like strength class or, yeah. you know, strength, whatever, however you were doing it. Then. We didn't have strength class. We just, It was an after school program mm-hmm. uh, with people that really weren't involved in the sport at all. Interesting. The sport didn't really exist in my high school outside of maybe like two or three other people before me that were really good. Yeah. Um, and then, but no one had ever, had ever won state, no one had ever placed top three. Um, mm. So there was, and, and a lot of times, unfortunately, in the community I'm, I was born in, there's not a lot of opportunity to leave. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just end up staying with their parents or end up staying like at the, the town over. Um, they, just a, a large uh, population of people under the poverty line. Right, right. And so even the thought of it just it doesn't even exist, right? Like, yeah. it, we're not going to powerlift after high school. I need to go to work. Um, right, like, right. And so it's like a luxury that like you stop having after you have to like start paying bills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I yeah, so there was a large drop off, and it wasn't until I. I won second my sophomore, my junior year after the surgery, and then first my freshman year. And I was the first state champion to to, to originate um, out of the school. And then after that, I got interviewed by um, Nine Five Six Sports, which is everybody in, in the valley in the Nine Five Six region. Um, they really blew up in the school where several other athletes after me ended up going to college at cool. UTSA to do powerlifting stuff. So like you to left get a legacy really at that school. Which is super cool. I was the face Very of the gym. Like I dang. was painted onto the front doors of the gym. And Shit. it was from one of my I think it was like either nationals or my or, high school never did that for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty sick. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. Like it was a really fun experience and and wow. most winters I would go back during um uh, during that, what is it called? Uh, Christmas break, uh, after, after your first semester uh, or after the fall semester. And I would go coach any athletes that were still involved because I had found a really cool coach, uh, Nathan Westbrook and a good group of individuals of uh, like Tony Cardella is one of the only super heavyweight champions uh, out of, to come out of the United States for powerlifting. He won the super heavyweights in like 20, I don't know, 2009, maybe, but he's also, an, he's also an Aggie. And so it, he left the legacy there. And so we had all these records and, um, I got coached by Scott Dobbins, who's now the, the chair of, um, the chair for Texas of USAPL, USAPL Texas. And then Nathan Westbrook, who was on my platform, who was probably the most influential person that I had. Um, and so I was taking all this information that I was learning and just taking it back down to where I was and then whatever I had learned from everybody else and just like trying to feed it back into everybody else. So you've always been a teacher coach too in in your heart, in your personality. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So like you've had a lot of coaches then, like, I guess I consider that I've had three main ones and then I, you know, think of people like coach Ma who influenced me a lot, but like, I was not really a main coach in my career. So how many, like what, like how many of those do you consider as like, 
I would you know what consider... I mean? Like, I've had so much other help, so I don't want to, like, discredit, like, the help yeah. that I got from, like, RJ, who, like, introduced me to it. And there's lots of parts, but there's, like, those main people who are, like, my, like, rock, I guess, all the way through. I don't, haven't had anybody all the way through. Mm-hmm. I think I had people for seasons. And so yeah, a Rob, lot of people do. Yeah, Robert and Josie Jackson were for a season. Um, and they pretty much moved into uh, Wobble, which is a specific organization that's not nearly as uh, respected as IPF. And so I left them once I got to college. And then Nathan Westbrook was probably throughout my four years during undergrad and he was there. And then he is a petroleum engineer and now works for Valetto back down in Corpus Christi and has a family, has he had has his wife, has a kid. And then he won, he won open worlds uh, or got second at open worlds. And then he kind of left the sport and coaches athletes everywhere so often but disconnected from him um scott Dobbins wasn't necessarily a coach he does um we have an interesting relationship um mm-hmm. and so i wouldn't uh, probably consider nathan and then josie and robert jackson probably like my my three coaches um and then uh kurt st romaine who was a a large like moral coach if you will or like like a personality coach or like maybe not a personality coach but like a mindset coach mm-hmm. um who was the head coach for team usa Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of influences then. A lot if, of influences. If you were to go back to powerlifting, which you've sort of expressed, like maybe considering at some point in the future, like maybe not, maybe not. It is. Yeah. Um, what, like who, like how would you approach that from like seeking coaching? Because like, at, mm. you know, everybody, even coaches like need like an outside perspective. So like Everybody. who would, you, who would you turn to these days? Do you think for that? Or would it be like, worry about that when it happens? I'd love to have Nathan back because of his engineering mindset. It's very unemotional. That's and how Roger was too. I love that. Like yeah. I hate him at times. Like I fucking hate the amount of volume you're giving me this week or this block or whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, 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 it sucks. Okay. Yeah. Tough. You're like, fuck, dude. Get better. Yeah, get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like four, five, six weeks in, and it's like, my body's hurting, dude. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have like a deload program. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Just keep on going through. It's like, all right, sounds good. And like, very responsive, but very coachable as a coach as well. If I say, hey, I'm really struggling in this area, then he's intelligent enough to say, okay, like, I'm going to step away. We, this this athlete is telling me something. It's not just a, a GP, a gen pop, a gen pop individual that's just trying to get out of it it's it this is an athlete let me go ahead and like maneuver a little bit so yeah pivot I, a yeah, yeah pivot yeah, better yeah so probably him <laughs> yeah that'd be nice okay, interesting yeah, yeah. yeah who would you go well um so both of my original coaches roger and charlie were both older roger is gone charlie is 84 um and i always can remember that because he's 50 years older than me exactly <laughs> and, I still t- and he's, he, he lives in minnesota i mean not exactly to the day but close enough mm-hmm. uh he lives in minnesota and i call him and things but uh he's still i always you know say he's coach you know still but like he hasn't coached me in that way in many years like he doesn't really leave his apartment like he can no longer drive like he really spends most of his days like watching youtube on like weightlifting youtube like <laughs> like that's what he does what a life. <laughs> yeah yeah he finally is like able to do that but and then like re- reflecting on his life too but i call him like you know when i did my meet most recently i called him and things um but the person who writes my programs and like coaches me these days is danny camargo so about um 
six, seven years ago, no, more like six years ago, um, I had the opportunity to live in Florida and Orlando for a year. And um, I was living with my boyfriend who was working there at the time. And I, I was a teacher, so I had nothing to do during the summer. So it was like a great time to drive nice. from Minnesota down there. And um, I was really lucky that uh, Danny, his gym is down there. And to be honest, outside of Roger and Charlie, there's maybe, I can maybe count on one hand how many coaches I would be like, I would, I would be coachable. I would take into consideration your co- coaching comments, but I wouldn't absolutely like do them blindly because just X, Y, Z person said, or like, you know, Joe Schmo said or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, there's only a couple of people that would go, even if I didn't want to hear that information, I would really take it to heart. There's a respect. Of. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Danny was like one of the coaches that I would have, you know, always have always like kind of respected his team would always come to the different national meets in like a very Royal blue. So like, but they always like looked all put together and there's, you know, there's a lot of Olympic lifting in Florida. So like their lifters were really good anyway. So I was excited to like go down there and like train at their gym for the summer. And I did, and I followed his programming and he was great as a coach, just as I thought he would be. And I PR'd my snatch after thinking I probably wouldn't necessarily like, or just not knowing if I would ever like, you know, break through that. And I like nice. training with him, I, I did. And at the very end of the summer, it was kind of a press out and I was using straps, but like, we'll count it. It was kind of CrossFit, as they say, as, as my lady snaps name. It was kind of CrossFit. It's a training make, but like, whatever, we're counting it, you guys. I told you, snatches have, I'm a clean and jerk girl, okay? Like, I do snatches so that I can clean and jerk. And like, who needs to snatch anyway? Like, clean and jerk wins, like, the competition. Like, yeah, it does. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so but like our personalities like worked really well and i liked the programming and i liked the gym it was it still to this day has been one of my more favorite gyms that i've ever been to um and you know even I, when i go to Orlando, i still like swing by the gym to see um people there and things uh but so i but I, when i came back to minnesota because the school year started uh but i knew that like roger because they had had some health problems being older men anyway like some Serious ones, but nothing that, you know, enough to make me go, okay, if I lose one of these two guys, I'm not only losing somebody who's like a grandfather figure and like very dear to me and a coach, but like, what the heck do I do in my own, like, what do I do in my own lifting? Like, I don't, so basically I asked Roger, I said, Hey, look, like I've been really liking the program. Like, do you mind if I like continue on like his programming, um, that it changes all the time. And if I like sometimes ask him about technique things, we've been working together well and it's gone well so far, would this be okay with you? And I like really, because I'm not somebody who's going to like just peace out. He'd been with me for like, I mean, like 10 years, probably or something at that point, like a long time. And, and, and a big part of my decision to ask Danny to stay on and ask Roger and Charlie, but Roger specifically, if he was okay with it is because I knew that someday they may get sick and die. And I I still wanted to be lifting or have the option to be lifting uh, past like just that like kind of grief part of it. So so that's why I like, you know, kept going with Danny and yeah, it's been great. Uh, I was very lucky that like those two got to coach me at nationals, at least two, maybe three, maybe more than that. But like a couple of times they like, kind of like we're both my like backup team, which is like such a cool like team to have in the back room. Like Danny's a level five international coach and is just like 
really cool, popular in the community Damn. and like well liked. And Roger was an official at the Olympics. Like it was like an intimidating you got- for like for like a very solid like B session or lower lifter. It was a really good crew to have. I was really fortunate. Like, who is yeah. this girl over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people know who I am, but like, or like you know, mostly, but they would know who Roger is. Like, and actually, as a matter of fact, wow. like. Uh, I would still, and I still do in a way. And I wrote this to him when, when it was looking like I might not be able to see him before he left, he like died. But I told him that I like used, would use his name. And I still do as like a litmus test for if people actually know Olympic lifting. Cause like, if you really know Olympic lifting to like a certain level, you would know who Roger is. And like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like look down at people. They don't. Cause like everybody's been new to a sport, but like, it would just be like, oh, you this kind of no one respect, no one respect, like just like the older generation that like every, every, you know, kind of made things popular for us or like, you know, contributed that much or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, did he, he lift as well? He did. He was one of the very first master world champions. Actually, by the very first, I mean, at the first master's worlds, he won his weight class. Oh, so he was the okay. first, but he wasn't like the, cause you know, the, I don't know, presumably the lightweight men would have gone first. He was like more middle weight. So like, I did, did, did take the first first, but like, I think he was like, I, I want to say like, I should know this, but like, I want to say like 80, the 85 to 90 ish kilos. I don't know what the, because they, they change the weight classes every like, you know, 10 ish years anyway. So, but he was, yeah, he was the first master's world, world champion. Wow. Yeah. You got a team. Yeah, it was pretty cool. How did you... So you met Ro- Rob? Roger. Roger. Yeah, yeah. Which is down in... No, Roger is... Remind me the names. I'm sorry. Okay. So I had Charlie in Minnesota. Charlie. Charlie uh, and Roger. Mm-hmm. And Danny. Yes, yes. Danny yeah, was yeah. in, 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 in Florida. Yeah. Danny's now your coach. Yes. And Danny... So in the community, mm-hmm. who is Danny in respect or relation to... Um, the calisthenics guy is that the same? Calstrength or no? Calstrength? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Um, uh, Catalyst Athletics. Catalyst Athletics. Oh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Catalyst Athletics. Very well known. Um, they, uh, I mean, are both very uh, like. Well, they're both kind of like on the opposite coasts, you know. So okay. Catalyst is on the west coast, and Danny's on the east coast. Okay. Um, Danny had coached. Um, she, he's coached a couple, several athletes that have gotten to the world level, um, senior world level, um, I believe. Um, and, but, uh, but one of them, his main lifters at the time when I was training with him in Florida, like six, seven years ago, Maddie Rogers, who is a really like, she's an Olympian. She's a very accomplished athlete. Still one of my favorite lifters to watch always has been. She ended up leaving Danny's coaching after I after that summer that I was there, but it was a real part of the, what made that summer amazing was just even training in the same room as her. She could power what my all time bests were at the time, which was like, amazing. it's going to give you a little bit of like kick in the butt to like really like try hard, you know? Um, and anyway, so she, but it ended up not being a good fit. Like sometimes, you know, coaching situations are, and she left, yeah. she left, uh, his, his coaching for, um, Catalyst Athletics, uh, basically. And so she, they've been working together for a long time, but they're just different, just like well-respected. And are they different methods? Like how different are the, like if, if there is a science supports the biomechanical efficiency, mm-hmm. then what are the differences that are allowed outside of personality? Like in, tr- like in terms of training, there's also a, there's also science to, to, but there's also a lot of different approaches, right? Yeah, so then like, right. what are the different, do you know the different approaches and, and like what Catalyst does versus? 
I think part of what it made it, so I don't know, obviously from firsthand experience, I will say that like, um, they've, uh, it's, I've always enjoyed competing against the catalyst women's team. Cause they've always had a really strong women's team. They've always been really respectful competitors and, um, yeah, I've always like had nothing but like really kind of liking them, you know, uh, but I think for like, from, and, and I don't know at all from like the outside perspective, cause I didn't know her that well at the time, but I think for Maddie, she eventually kind of wanted a coach that was able to guide her a little bit more like emotionally too, through that journey of being like a top, top, top athlete. No. I think her demands in that area or like needs in that area to be her best wasn't necessarily being met like through Danny's coaching or just like he ended up just kind of like, you know, finding her as an athlete and like coaching her to a certain point, but maybe to get past that point, it just didn't, it didn't really work out as much as much, but I don't know that. And I wouldn't be the person to ask because I haven't like trained with catalyst athletics at all before. Um, But they, one thing that catalyst really has done so much and has contributed to so much in weightlifting and wasn't around at all. When I started was just a library of resources, like article upon article, lots of books, um, lots of, uh, YouTube videos explaining different exercises and why they're used for what technical purpose they're, what technical purpose they're trying to fix. If there is one, if it's a drill, um, how to put them into your programming and just like puts it out there for free for like a lot of people to have, which is an amazing thing because yeah. like I said, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of resources on weightlifting when I was like, you know, trying to figure it out myself. And now if you're trying to figure it out yourself, you'll eventually run into like the catalyst library. And even still, I go reference it like, Hey, I think, you know, this exercise does this, but I want to double check. Like, I think that's what it is, but like, and often like a Google search will, you know, lead me to that, you know, site, I guess. So they've contributed a lot to the community for free. Just in my short period of time and the limited experience inside the sport, it, that's what everybody references. It seems it's like, Oh, go, go, go watch this video. Yeah. Like, like they send me this, this video. It's like, yeah. use this one as a, there's a quick reference to see what this movement is and what it's supposed to look like. One of the four. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, sounds yeah. good. Like, what is a, what is a drop snatch? Just go watch this video. Yeah. Like, okay. Got it. Yeah. And usually explain pretty well, but then you come back to your, 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 your coach and like, this is what they're talking about and this is how it applies. Right. Like, okay. Gotcha. Right. Cool. And I think I would say, I think Greg, and I don't, I've not really ever met him like that, but I think he's been, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts from him and like just the different videos, like he knows weightlifting so well, but he's also very articulate and is like, uh, his dry delivery. I always find kind of funny as well, but, um, I think he's just been able to be really, there's not anybody else, you know, who has that many videos on resources. Like it's taken a lot of time on their end to, to put together, you know, for sure. Part of that, I think being able to be articulate that consistently is part of the practice. Like he's, yeah. he's put out that much content, written articles, mm-hmm. written books. Like it's a lot of refining of communication skill. Mm-hmm. And then now he, now you can just see it like, Oh, he just speaks really well on a podcast. It's like, well, yeah, but look mm-hmm. at all of the stuff that he's done in order to get to that point, Very true. which I think, is the a beautiful thing about communications. Yeah. Like if you continuously, you, you write and you, and you type and you text and like all those things end up making you a better communicator whenever you're actually in front of somebody. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and he was able to, he also had a really good coaching background. Like Mike Bergener was his main coach, like growing up. So he also also had a really strong, very knowledgeable mentor to help him to get to be that articulate. Cause they, I'm sure they had a, 
he had to, you know, experience it as an athlete, but was able to like put words to it, videos to it, um, and just really put it out there in the community when otherwise it wouldn't be a resource at all. So shifting a little bit. Yeah. Two things. I'm going to check to see one of these, one of these, uh, cameras has a, a lower lifespan than the other. So I'm just going to make sure where we're at. <laughs> so, so can you tell me a little bit more about what the IWF is and how did you get introduced to, um, USAW? Mm-hmm. I did. Oh, fun fact. I don't know. This, I asked you a question. I'm sorry. I'm going no, to add something just, no, add, I, add just add. because I have like very little, but some experience with IWF. I went to the Olympic training center and I gave a presentation to the, the board. Um, I forget the guy's name, Aaron something. Okay. Um, for IW or for, um, USAW, uh, for athletes who are, um, auditory, auditory disabled, auditorily disabled, uh-huh. um, and how to bring awareness to that community. Cause they can still compete in the regular uh-huh. sport. They don't need, um, uh-huh. to be in the special Olympics. Right. Um, so I spent a week over at the Olympic training center, uh-huh. um, doing presentations uh-huh. and stuff. That's it. Paralympics. They don't need to compete in Paralympics. Right. Um, yes, because we have auditory and visual down signals. Yeah. So that kind of solves that problem Isn't for that the cool? deaf and hard hearing community. Isn't yeah. That cool? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I coached uh, my like little cohort. Um, we I went to Home Depot like late at night and like went and cut them all up and created enough uh, pieces of, of of pipe and then like put like a community like Braille on it like oh, with cool. with um, uh, just marker. But all of their cards um, at the Olympic Training Center have Braille embroidered on them. So you know whose card you're getting, right? And so it – and I had to coach people through like how do we communicate the movements – in either Braille or just with auditory or um, visual mm. communication. Oh, um, interesting. It was a wild time. Yeah. It was fun. It was crazy. It's really interesting to look through the world in the eyes of disabled people. Um, and it's something that's so underutilized. And I think like, I, I would just wish it were done so much more, more often because if things are more accessible to people who are disabled in some fashion, it often makes it things easier, even for people who are like, not disabled in any way, you know, like there's, there's just a lot of opportunity for growth. And so, so it was like for people who are blind then what is what you were talking about or like deaf and hard and hearing or both deaf and blind, yeah, okay. deaf and hard of hearing and blind. Oh, yeah, and both, blind. Both. Oh, I see. Okay. Any so, au- then, so then I don't actually know what, because we have a auditory, like a beep or somebody, the referee says down or so there's that auditory and then there's the uh, visual that there is like either a flash of light or like the hand, the, the hand says down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, the, if you're out of both, I don't actually if know. If you're out of both. So I guess. Not uh, out of both, uh, but like so not, don't have either sense fully aware. Out of both maybe isn't the most. Yeah, no, it's not aware. <laughs> but, like, but, but, but if you can't, if you can't do, if, if neither of those uh, senses are accessible to you. Then, then like, you probably would be Paralympic, right? But, uh, but we I, would, would, I don't know of any cases where that's the case in weightlifting, but I certainly don't know all the weightlifters in the United States anymore, especially. Um, Sure. So, yeah. But. How long have you been out of competing? Like outside of the last one that I saw mm-hmm. you compete at, when was the last time you competed before then? So my recent competition journey has been interesting. Um, I have gotten senior nationals t- nine times, um, where which is, you know, the biggest uh, competition in the United States stateside. Um, and the American Open used to be the American Open only, and now it's the American Open finals. I went to that a handful of times for or five ish would be usually it fell during finals week. And so I wasn't able to like really go 
to that one. Um, but I had been kind of going consecutively for many, many years, pretty much only doing the exact same numbers, 80 and 100, you know, in my snatch and clean and jerk respectively, like, and then maybe plus or minus three kilos. And it gets, it got a little bit wearing, especially that considering I wasn't getting any better, like, uh, but, you know, after COVID happened, I never really kind of bounced back from that era, as I think, think think is a story for a lot of people, a lot of athletes, a lot of even just regular people that we see at the gym. When I interview clients, I'm like, when did you feel like you were the most fit? Before COVID, at some point before COVID. Like, was, nobody's been like, yeah, since COVID, I've really, like, been living my best <laughs> life. Like, I'm really fit and, like, killing it. All of us are like, oh, I don't know. Like, maybe before COVID. So, kind of same, kind of same. Um, part of it was... Uh, uh, my knee, my, uh, I had a knee injury in particular that was like a patellar tendon issue. And it was like, or like a, tr the tracking issue. No, it's this one, but, uh, either way it was like, it, it, that's a very hard one to diagnose and then fix. So like I, my nationals is 2016 was when I was like my strongest. I had like clean and jerked 110 was like, you know, snatching like mid eighties, I guess like 85 is my best one that I pressed out the snap. But like, you know, I'm not the best, the, a very good snatcher, but like in general, I was in my best shape then, but like my knees just couldn't take it. Like I couldn't pull a bar off the ground without like pretty excruciating pain. And it wasn't a thing that like surgery could fix and not, necessarily that even PT could fix because that particular injury, it could be a myriad of things that cause it. Right. So what it was is that of, injury? Can you elaborate? So uh, it was just like the, my, my uh, patella, like your kneecap was not tracking correctly. You're like physical therapy. You're like, no, that was probably really simple. It took forever to like fix it. And by the time I did, I never was able to really bounce back fully. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Your face is really making an expression like there was more to that with like the on the physical therapy side. <laughs> I just I I, I want I want to know. I, I wish I would have been able to see like yeah. like what that injury looked, felt, and like um, the symptoms. I guess mm -hmm. of, of the injury, like what did it limit? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, probably I you know, I was had kind of a wonky squat as you and I have been working on fixing. So that that uh, imbalance probably played a factor, and I was pushing like pretty good limits. Like I'd been in the sport for about ten years, and my coach Charlie or Roger had always said that like you know you get about ten good years of lifting in for the most part, and I have. I'm on like you're, you know, like rounding up to like 20 ish years by now. Um, but like a really hard lifting where you're really giving it all, you're all yeah. trying to be as elite as you can be. You get about 10 if you're lucky. Uh, and then, you know, give or take maybe some years, but I, yeah. anyway, long story short is I haven't competed at that kind of nationals level. And I think my last one was in 2019. Um, but since then, you know, Roger got, got sick during COVID. And when I saw him after COVID for the first time, sort of mid COVID, everybody was wearing masks. Um, he, his health had deteriorated a lot and it was really striking and terrible to see. And so, but also like there wasn't a good training situation for a little bit, you know, really after that. So I never really was able to bounce back, but, um, long story short, I have, would my main goal or one of my goals lifting wise would be to qualify for senior nationals again. Um, and hopefully it's actually, it's going on today. Probably the A session for 71s are going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> That's where it's talking about. Cool. So next year I'm going to be there and I'd like to do it. So I'll be 35 next year. I'll be a master's lifter. I'd like to get at least year 10 in. I feel like 10 is a really good number. If I have to end up, end it, like 10 is a good round number. And like to have accomplished it, like from when I was like pretty young to like a master's level. And it's getting harder and harder every year to qualify for nationals. Like, 
like, I would just like to be there. I'd like to just participate at this point. <laughs> um, the, the American Open is next. So maybe that would be like the first goal that I really should have. But um, yeah, I would like to really give that a chance. But I, uh, so my last two competitions were interesting though. The last one was, that you saw and you came to was really uh it was a surprise to me how wonderful it was because before that, my previous competition was Rogers Memorial Meet. It was our state championship in Minnesota. Damn. I, it was in May and I knew I was leaving the state in June, which I did like a month later. I was injured with back issues and not able to train very well. And like we were moving across the country. So like I wasn't able to dedicate time to training. Anyway, long story short, I lost my first state championship in 13, well, it would have been 14 years, but I, wait, yeah. So I lost it on year 14 at Rogers meet. And, but it was like a really sad like moment. Like I, I had to go like to the chalk box alone and that used to be like our thing. And so it was like a meet full of like, all the people in Minnesota were grieving too. Like everybody's like, not like, Oh, look at Natalie. She's really sad. But like, everybody knew that I was his like one athlete. Like his main person who went to nationals every time for 10 years, almost with him. Like, so like everybody kind of was feeling the loss anyway. It was like not fun to be in the spotlight in that way. So like, it took me like a year to like want to lift again, really. Like I would go and like, I would do bodybuilding. I love the gym anyway. So like I was going to the gym, but like to push yourself emotionally and physically in a thing that you used to be much, much better at and have it like really hurt and then like have it bring up weird emotions. It was like not a fun time. So when, um, when our coworker, our boss's boss, actually, I guess Jeff, like asked me to train with him and I actually had a once a week training partner, which I could have had earlier here in Las Vegas. There's like barbell clubs and things, but I just wasn't in a space where I could like seek that out, but like one-on-one that was like a little bit more like manageable. Um, and it was helpful to like have somebody go, like keep the bar closer to you or like any kind of random comment of, I thought that I would like, you know, bite anybody's head off who even like, not like deigned to coach me, but like gave me feedback. Cause I would think I would think of Roger and be like, well, you're not Roger. Like, fuck you. Like, I don't need to listen to your like feedback or whatever, but it wasn't the case. And so anyway, we ended up like he and I did that, did that meet together, but I was concerned that it was going to be like the same thing, that it was going to be like not fun and like just painful and like, not the way that it used to be and it never would be again, but I actually had a blast that day. Like I remembered Roger and like, he would have laughed about all the, um, there were a number of things that meet that were not the way that he would have had them. He was very, very, very particular about the rules, very particular about the rules. And this was just not that meet. And I just, <laughs> and, and I just kind of like laughed and I thought of it fondly. Like, he, like, yeah, it, it, it really Roger brought, says no. Yeah, no. Like, like this poor woman who gave me the down signal early, you know, in a clean and jerk, like it would have been the last, like not to be like a jerk about it, but like it would have been the last time she ever gave an early down signal. He would have made it very clear that that's like just not how it is and exactly what you need to do when. And he was a colonel in the Air Force. Like he when he like very much was like laying down the law, like there wasn't like a maybe we're going to do it our way anyway. Like, no, like there's a way to do it. And like you would do it that way. But anyway, I had so much fun at that last more recent meet. Um, and I was so relieved that I like literally I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be like a mess and crying. And I had no idea what I was going to bring out. Like I I, I even, you know, get obviously like emotional talking about it still. It makes me emotional. Oh my God. <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you blinking. I was like, I'm trying <laughs> not to cry. It's... Uh, um, 
so I, I like had to figure out like kind of what I wanted to do about like the chalk box, for example, like at the mo- more recent meet, the one before I just like went and like felt bad for myself, but like, you can't be like feeling sad for yourself that you don't have coach there, like right before you're about to go, like take a big lift. So, but I also like, you know, Jeff is just a training partner. Like, and I like that, that chalk box moment is like for coaches. So like Danny, Danny, I th- think like, you know, if we go to like, when we go to nationals, <laughs> you know, there like you I'll go. let him like, you know, coach me at the chalk box, like walk me all the way up there. But like, I just didn't, I was like, I was not sitting right with me to like have anybody else do that in this, in that situation. So what I did is I sort of like, our thing used to be that he would rub my shoulders before a meet. So, or like traps. And, uh, it started from our first meet of him coaching me at university nationals. But anyway, I just kind of did that really quick just to myself. I don't think anybody else noticed it, but I was just kind of like, okay, like quick little squeeze, squeeze. And like, then chalk up and didn't even like, dw- I didn't dwell on it. I was just kind of like more focused on like keeping the ball rolling and like having a good time. But, uh, that, that meet really like, I was so relieved because I really thought weightlifting might not ever be fun anymore. Like truly like, so, so it will be. And, 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 and I'm excited now to do another meet. We, my, my best friend and I have yet to uh, sign up for the meet that we're planning on doing, but we're like planning on doing some meets together. I, you have to qualify at a local meet to go to the American open finals or the nationals. So I've got to like get out there, get my numbers up to exactly what I think they need to be and then, and then do it. But um, just the joy of competing was finally back. And I was, quite worried for uh, like a year or two that it was like not going to be <laughs> what a journey yeah i mean yeah what an emotional journey yeah because roger was my coach for about 15 years overall yeah so like that was a long, a time. long time yeah that's yeah. a long it's very very rare that you like as an athlete ever get to have that length of a time with a coach and I, maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but in, in my, obviously or heard through my experience, it's mm-hmm. never really been that way. But even in those short stints of time, it, those people have a very large significance in my life, a very large impact in my life. And so I, I think part of the reason that makes me a little emotional is like, I can like, I can picture myself there like i see that or like hearing about robert and josie and seeing that like him not being able to walk as well when i went to go see him and like but still trying to lift and compete and it's like it's motivating but also so oddly sad like oh no like he's gonna leave soon uh-huh. and i can there's just being in the, the chalk box same kind of idea um uh-huh. that we have just we're behind that curtain and there's those words. I don't know that just, there's something different about being at that meet with everything loud, so loud going on people calling your name. And then there's that one person that's at the box with you that you're, you're chalking up. They call you, Hey, it's time to come chalk up. And you walk up there and you trust them. Whatever number you called, if it's the opener, we have an agreement, we understand we've done all the work and you're chalking up and they're just, they're there. Even if they don't say anything, there's just like this, there's this odd rock that just sits there. And it's just, it's the most like comforting feeling, but like also such a like powerful force as you're walking out there. It's just, it's, and so I, I hear it and I'm like, man, I mean, it's just, yeah. Like they'll be there if you miss the lift or make the lift, like yeah. you're like doing it together or not. When I, um, because he was sick for some time before he passed. So I had some time to think about like how I would publicly talk about it. Whew. 
And I said that like, he's quite literally in the background of all of my lifting memories. Cause he is like, there's Natalie like on the platform, but if the, if the camera is from like a certain angle, there's Roger in the back. Or if he's the one holding the, the video or my friend is next to me, there's his words over my lifting, like all of them. <laughs> like, so it's, it's a whole different chapter of like, uh, like an athletic experience, like not really being coachless. I've got Danny and I have had like support. I've had so much support, you know, even to get me here. I don't really like fully need a coach in the way of like, you know, as a, as a beginner would in the same way, but like, you know, yeah, exactly. There's, there's that sense of that rock is right there. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it goes, I think if personally it goes a little bit beyond that. It, it's also what was going on during those times of your life and over 15 years, what was it like to grow from a novice lifter and a novice human yeah, and truly. trying to exist and going through college and finding your way and like trying to, all the struggles that, that happen as, as an athlete exists, they compete and they lift as much as they do, but there's so much going on, on, on the side that, it, that doesn't ever end. There's the uh-huh. school, there's the relationships or the friendships. There's all this stuff that go on. And a lot of times that coach hears a lot about it, right? Yeah. It's like that one person almost knows you through and through and like still, all right, we have another set. Yeah. They, like, know, they know you differently than anybody else does too. Because like, you know, they, they know you through your sport. They kind of like, I think it's maybe the same with artists. Like when you're a really high level artist, like, and you watch, look at somebody else's art, you really see who they are. Like the, like the, on the insides, like how much grit they have in their situations and this and that. And I think coaches see that because they can see it through sport through a long time. And in my case, like 15 years and the amount of like different boyfriends or like different things, like, you know, getting a job, getting like not rehired or like whatever <laughs> it was that like graduating college, like they were there through all that. I thought, uh, Charlie has always been anti-wedding. So I knew he would never want to come to my <laughs> wedding. Like he finds them very depressing, like funerals. So <laughs> I knew Charlie would never be attending a wedding of mine, but I always thought that Roger would. Like, I really like said, like, I don't have any grandfathers left. Like when I s- said earlier, like it was, it would be like losing a grandfather figure. Like that's really what it was. It was like coach slash grandfather who'd been there, like through all the trials and the ups and the downs and the different things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a special relationship. For sure. It is a very, very special relationship. And part of me wishes that it was more accessible and more people had experienced that. And, yeah. and even even as someone who's in a general population industry, there is a little bit of a difference when you start competing in things there, there is that and the, it's an added layer for sure. Mm-hmm. But even having somebody who's just like, all right, yeah. How are the kids? How's everything going? All right. Well, we got this yeah. today, you know, yeah. someone that's consistently there. Yeah. It's, it's a really good feel. Ideally it's athletes. I, I like yeah. athlete. I like that environment. I like that, that relationship a little bit more and just differently. Um, Maybe not, I don't know about more, maybe more, probably more, um, because there's, there's just different intensity. I just, I, there's, there's something yeah. different about it. There's, there's the there's, intensity and the goals are different when you're talking about an athlete compared to like a person who just wants to like look and feel good gen- vaguely. Yeah. Like if you're an athlete, you're like, I want to, you know, clean and drink this, or I want to deadlift that, you know, it's different. It's like, yeah, I'm going to suffer yeah. to get there. Yes. I'll- and I'm willing to suffer and like, please like, let me suffer. Like do what you need to, to like, Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it's a good feel. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was so lucky to like have it while I did though. And he was very quiet. I just, I guess I, I do wish that I had like 
picked his brain a little bit more and different things, but we had so many like good times too. And you know, I like the way that he saw me different than anyone else. And any coach does see their athlete different than other people in their life do. I like was able to see him differently than a lot of other people too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, he had a reputation of being a very, and he was a very tough referee. His nickname was red light Roger. (laughs) (laughs) And I've inherited that and I love it. Red light Natalie. Yeah, red light Natalie. Uh, no lift Natalie. Yeah, no, exactly. I love it. Like it's gonna be, that's, that's the thing now. Uh, <laughs> um, but he had a reputation of being just very about the rules and like, like too much, like, you know, like uh, too much of the way that things used to be. And this is how things should be. But here's the thing. Not only was he usually correct in that, that those are the rules and this is the way that it should be because he was a very intelligent man and like been around weightlifting for a long time. Um, But what I really learned is like, that's how it's most fair for everybody. If you're like, Oh yeah, press out for you. Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like you're a beginner or like, but press outs for you are a really big deal. We're going to call just like when the rules are applied, you know, very fairly and very strictly to everybody is when it's the most fair. But so that's kind of like the reputation he had, like on the national scene, but like us in Minnesota and especially I would, you know, I guess I hesitate to say, but especially me, but like, especially me, like I'd known him for a very long time, like just the, the joking side of him and like the dry humor side and the, um, I don't know, like that, that whole other side of the personality that you wouldn't get in a one-off encounter at a national meet where he does have that reputation of being a red light Roger and the, the different things. Like, yeah, we get to know each other differently. There's yeah. a fear once associated with it. And you're like, oh, that's just Roger. Yeah. Roger just red lights yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite stories of his is we were in the back room for at nationals and he was, of course, a referee. So the reason, part of the reason he was able to go to all my national meets all but one because he was at, at a Pan American competition, you know, ref- refereeing that, which is like more important than my little like B session, you know, whatever that I had to do. Um, and he got me a t-shirt. It was really sweet. But, uh, but anyway, like, uh, he was in his like officials, like, you know, you know, uniform. So it's like a Navy blazer, like a, a certain look of like in a patch and all the things. Um, and one of the, uh, just regular coaches was in his like athletic wear. Like you and I have items like, Oh, Roger, are you trying to like intimidate all of us? Like by showing up in your fancy, like, you know, referee stuff. And he like, he never showed up again like that. He always brought a little something to change into, but I think it might've been the same sweatshirt other times, but he changed out, but he changed into this white little like knit, uh, sweater and it had the teeniest Olympics logo in the corner. He got this sweatshirt at the fucking Olympics. <laughs> it was just like issued because he was such a good referee. So it was like such a small, humble break. I was like, cool. I was like, cause I, that next year I was like, Oh, Roger, like, Oh, so you're not trying to intimidate everybody. Huh? He's like, well, look at this. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Subtly. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. But it was, it, yeah. I don't know. Like that always like made me laugh that like, because he never, he never would have been somebody who was trying to intimidate. So it was such an absurd joke. That person clearly didn't know him. Like he was not trying to intimidate people. He was just, you know, refereeing. And then he was coaching me and then he was back to refereeing. Like, why would you change for that? But yeah. since then he like changed into that, like, <laughs> that outfit, That's I fun. loved it. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, I, I, flex. Yeah, right. Yeah. A little big flex. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like just between the two of us. I guess now until I've said it on this podcast. But no, like it was one knows. of my favorite memories. Yeah. I like that. Um, I do want to get into a little bit about how like there's so many national meets mm. or American opens, and it just seems I've had it just described to me once before, and I would like if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. 
kind of going into how, like, what the structure is if I started at a lo- at the most local level, mm. competing at my local gym all the way until I get to the the, the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. I know a very long progression, but like, mm-hmm. what does it look like? Yeah. Well, first of all, one of the cool things about Olympic lifting and about powerlifting too, if I'm to assume that they're pretty similar in this way, is that there is a spot for everybody. So no matter if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, I'm, you know, whatever age or whatever body weight, or you, there's some reason why you think you can't, there's a spot for you in, in weightlifting. There's like youth lifting, there's junior lifting, which is like a little bit older kids. There's um, under 25 is now a thing, which is like, uh, they have a whole national championships, I guess, for under 25, which they didn't have when I was wow. of that age, which is super cool because that's a good, it's a big transition between junior lifting and senior lifting. So to kind of bridge the gap between those two levels that are very starkly different, they have that like little kind of area. But, um, so basically what you would do is you, you could be of whatever age you could be like male, female, you could, you know, be of whatever body weight and you would sign up at a local competition. You would have to be a, probably a member of USA weightlifting, um, because it is just the governing body of the sport. Um, and you would, whatever weight that you weigh, you would sign up for under that weight class. So my weight class is 71. I can weigh as much as 71.00 kilos. Um, so, and then of course, as little as, uh, 64.01 kilos. So in, in that range, like 64 to 71. Yeah. It's a big one, huh? Anyway, but yeah. So like you have to like kind of weigh it. So whatever you weigh, like, you know, it's not uh publicly anymore, like put on like information for the crowd to see, for example, it used to be a very commonplace thing, but anyway, you would sign up for a competition and you would just do, you know, three snatches and three clean and jerks. Hopefully you would have like a friend or coach to like help you through the like particulars of how to do that because there's a whole warm up process and the way competitions are run, you would either need to have seen one and understand how it runs or do pretty thorough research on your own. It can also be very complex at times. It can be very complex and the rules have changed since I've started as well. Uh, so they can also, you know, change and you have to be like on it enough to realize those changes. And there's a lot of rules that can like, get in your way if you are not knowledgeable of them. Like uh, your elbows and your knees can't touch in a clean. Would you know happen to know that if you've never had an issue with that? No, but it might happen on a competition platform and still you have a lift. But regardless though, I think a lot of people are resistant to do their first meet because they are they think they have to be a certain level of good at weightlifting in order to do it. But that's not true. All you have to be able to do is snatch according to the rules and clean and jerk according to the rules. You don't have to lift a certain amount of weight or necessarily even do like a beautiful, like very technically proficient lift. Like I've been kind of posting on social media recently, like my first lifts, they were a joke. I clearly had no coach at all. (laughs) Just that was the, that was after several years of like trying to figure out it on my own. So you can imagine it was like worse before that. Um, and wow. yeah. And so I think a lot of people, men in particular, are like, I've got to have like a certain number to like, you know, do it in public because it's a very vulnerable thing. Like doing it publicly, stepping on that platform and saying, I have trained enough that I think I can do this in front of judges and audience, like people who will say yes or no, like that's a pretty risky thing. And I think the best advice I have for people who just starting is to just do as many meets as you can, because you'll learn a lot about yourself as a competitor. Like you might not win every single meet and you should, in fact, you should go into it knowing that you won't. 
and how you're going to learn from those things and grow like as a progression. If you don't ever do a meet and all of a sudden you can qualify for nationals, nationals, like you will, like you're like that good and you, but you've never competed. There's a very good chance you're going to just totally choke on the platform because it's a different experience than like training in the gym. But, um, so basically what you would do, if you're going to go like all the way to the Olympics, you would start at a local meet. Um, and the next step would be to qualify for a national level meet. So it depends on how old you are, um, what that national level meet would be. If you just say nationals, it implies senior nationals, which is the most competitive age group. Um, it's just, you know, up, up until age 35, which I'll be hitting January one of this coming year for USA weightlifting. Um, that, that that's like the very competitive age group, but there's a junior, there's other levels. So if you're going to like junior nationals, the qualifying total will not be as much as to senior nationals as we, you know, the, when I can do master's level lifting, same thing, the qualifying is much easier for those, what, uh, those other ca age categories. But, um, basically if you were trying to go to the Olympics, so you would be, you know, in your twenties ish, hopefully, and you're going to the nationals, maybe even before that, a lot of Olympians end up being really successful. Like, you know, youth and junior they're they, you know, do national records as a youth, they do national records as a junior, and then they keep going. And they're just always like at that top, top level. But um, you could just find it, you know, through your seniors lifting, but eventually you'd have to go to like several national meets and they change the qualifying procedure for Olympics all, all the time. And it's very complicated now, as I understand it. Um, so you would have to have a coach who really really knows the rules of what you need to do to qualify to go to international meets because it's complex and it, and I, I truly, I don't understand it. Part of the issue is that they're only taking a certain amount of weight classes, even to the Olympics. So when they revamped the weight classes, the most recent time, there's 10 men, 10 women's. I think they only take six of those weight classes to the Olympics so that if you're a uh, in-between weight class, like you're going to have to plan ahead and lift heavier at a heavier body weight than you'd be you know, comfortable lifting at, there's all sorts of different things recently. So, and those rules are always changing. And a lot of times with those politics, they're trying to screw certain lifters out of getting their spot, or it would feel that way to the lifter and to the coach sometimes, whether or not it's actually the case, I don't know, but, um, you have to have somebody who's really like knowledgeable and just the qualification procedures after that, but really like it's, uh, you know, local lifting, then the national scene. Um, recently there's been, um, American open series. So the nationals is the bit is the biggest, but the American open is a really big deal as well. And it used to be just the, the nationals is like the hardest one to qualify for. And the American open was a bigger meet because the qualifying totals were a little bit lower. And as weightlifting luckily got more popular, the, um, the amount of people was too much to manage for the American open. So they bumped those totals up. It's still not as much as the nationals, but it was bump, bumped up enough. And they kind of, they made, I think it's about three series events where they're essentially the national level taste, like the stage, the referees, um, just kind of the pump and circumstance of a national meet, but without those quali high qualifying totals. Cool. Personally, Although it'd be fun, it'd be fun to do that again. Uh, and I would enjoy doing a series meet if it were nearby. I have done enough nationals where that's not really, uh, something I'm looking to do. Necessarily. Not as attractive. No. Yeah. I would, I'd rather just like go to the, nat you know, nationals like, yeah. right, right off the bat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to get involved. I, just, I, just, just compete. If you're like, maybe I should, or maybe I can't, you can just do it. It's so much fun. You'll learn so much about yourself. I think that. I selfishly want to know a little bit more about the progression because it's, it, it does seem a little convoluted from the outside perspective, mm -hmm. but, um, 
there's a very, very small percentage of people that are actually going to make it to the, to the point where they're qualifying four years in a row at nationals and making it to the Olympics. Um, and the reality is that most people are going to be at the series level or national level mm-hmm. or even state and local. Local level, um, yeah. Local lifting is so fun though. Yeah. It is much, there's something about going to compete and then you you finish your day with your friends and your family and then you go out to dinner. Yeah. Like, or you go out to whatever, it just depends on your morning session, afternoon session, whatever it is. Yeah. Like you go out for a couple of beers or you yeah. go out for some dinner, you go out for some lunch. Like it's, you take your videos, you take your pictures and it's something that's still super, uh, remember memorable right it's something that you always remember that you you decided to do and people that showed up showed up and it's it's super fucking cool it is interesting it's revealing of who shows up too but it also like when you are a little scared those are what that's when you make your biggest memories like you can remember things that scared you from childhood because it really is so imprinted upon your memory so when you step out of your comfort box you know comfort area a little bit and you like go on the platform and you like take that risk if you know, win or fail, you know, win or lose, I guess, like you will really make a strong memory more than likely, you know? And, and it's, it's like, a it's, everybody kind of gathers too. And like, just kind of the way that like gym life and like regular life works, everybody from that, like exact gathering won't probably ever, ever gather again in that same way. So you should enjoy it. Like, it's just fun. Like basically, usually like if nobody really bombs out tragically, or there's some kind of thing, for the most part, everybody celebrates or they commiserate to get, you know, together. Like, ah, oh, like you'll get it next time. And like different things. But yeah, like you work up an appetite, like go out and get some like, you know, food and drink. Like it's a really fun community building time. Like, yeah. And I think it's, it's that community building. Again, I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I love it, but it's, yeah. it's you you might meet some referees you might meet some some other another fellow competitor inside your weight class you're like man this guy's really cool this girl's really cool like i would like to get to know them a little more it's like oh where do you train who who's your coach and yeah. like where do you what do you do for fun like where yeah. do you go out like and it i think the surgeon general came out it's like one of the most um i, I can't I, i'm not good at referencing these kinds of things i thought but um the biggest contributor to mental health is just is loneliness right now mm-hmm. and it's like just go and compete and even if you are alone like step out a little bit and say hey like what are you doing here how long you be competing right yeah. it's something so simple that it makes yeah. it, it can make us such a an impactful relationship yes um and and everybody there has uh, something in common too is that you like to lift weights so most of my friendships that i've made since like college have been through in some regard that bond with other people. Um, and, and I think, yeah, a lot of people are struggling to like make connections, especially COVID. It really threw people for a loop. Like if, if that's something that you're struggling with, like I would really suggest going to like just a gym in general, but like competitions are like another level of like really fun. And, um, and and that's what I loved about going to nationals. That's one thing I do miss a lot about that is like, I had friends there who I would see just about twice a year at the American open and then at nationals. And, uh, but there was, you could talk to anybody there. It felt as if you could talk to anybody there because you have some kind of like, Hey, who do you live for? Who's your coach? Like how, how's yeah. training been, you know, like what, like, what are you trying to work on? Like, there's just so many things you can talk about with like in strength conditioning, like it's just a myriad of 
whatever you would want to talk about when it comes to weightlifting that like pretty much anybody could talk to. You could talk to it at a, at a weightlifting event. Oh, know? dude, I'm, yeah. I've, 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 I've cut five pounds for this and I just yeah. weighed in and I'm like, like, like you can understand that even if you don't like, you've never done it yourself. Like you can understand, Oh, like this guy's trying to make weight and what is that going to do? Right. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot more to relate with than not. And yeah. it's, just, it's just stepping out and saying, hi or like who is your coach or what like where where are you from yeah right like uh, we're at nationals and we're all doing the same thing like we might as well talk are you guys going out to eat after how many times that it's like a group of people that were just like we're all going to go out to eat after and it's like it's only it's maybe it's only two or three people it's like y'all want to join us and it's like now you have a group a table of like 15 people and you all of y'all are just like shooting the shit and having a good time and it's just like oh we all just have this one foundation of this sport Right. I totally agree. And, um, I had a thought it's gone. <laughs> it happens yeah. all the time yeah. to me all yeah. the time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's yeah. it, not just here, but like in personal training sessions, sometimes I'm like in the middle of talking, 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 and then I had no idea where I was going with that. Yeah. It, it was, it was important. <laughs> I feel like the, com- the weightlifting community so far has been very generous and kind to me. It's, it's, and sometimes I think it can be a, it's, it's, it's kind of like golf. It, you can kind of like, it, there's like a weird kind of, um, sensation when you're in it but then it, as the more that you're in it the more fitting you feel mm-hmm. like i snatch and i clean and jerk and you snatch and you clean and jerk like there's also just some people that are just a little bit more pretentious than others and that's True. in any sport i mean that's just i think that's kind of what i'm trying to get at and oh, like yeah. not not really like but in golf you have people who are like just they do the sport because it has a certain reputation. And mm-hmm. like, if I'm doing the sport of golf that I'm typically around people that have more finances and mm-hmm. we're doing this thing, we're lax a day where we're just, we got money. We're hanging out, whatever. Right. Yeah, I feel like hitting golf balls, yeah, just hitting golf balls, make a million dollars today. You know, it's, it, that's one thing that's missing from weightlifting. It's just, it's just snatching barbells <laughs> and just making a million dollars. I would like for athletes to make, more money especially in the olympic sports yeah like we'll just be lucky to stay in the olympics so like i think that's reaching for for weightlifting well as a sport olympic lifting will be lucky to stay yeah olympic good point and it's lifting is it it's in for 2024 is it out for eight uh i think pending uh systemic changes from the um iwf and uh the we'll see (laughs) we'll see it was kind of. I don't know. Um, like if I had the goal of wanting to make this national or Olympic level um, athlete status, it was almost a little disheartening mm-hmm. to see that happen. But at the yeah. same, and and I want to make a, a a quick like analogy, or maybe maybe I don't know if analogy is right, but for for powerlifting, where it's split into two different federations, mm-hmm. and it makes it so difficult for new and up or upcoming athletes that have this goal, and it's like, well, shit, like now now what? What do yeah. I do now? Yeah, kind of sad because you guys, it's like two separate worlds, two separate all of that, right? So now it's yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not even worlds anymore, but it's getting to that point. It's still mm. USAPL, but then mm. USAPL, USA Powerlifting can now have US. I, mean, I don't even know. It's I think it's probably like the the 
um, the Mexican Powerlifting Federation, and then they're just associated with USAPL, still underneath the umbrella of USAPL, but competing as their own country, which is super yeah. fucking weird. Yeah. And then you have Powerlifting America, which is directly affiliated with the International Powerlifting Federation, which is the IPF, the IWF, same kind of idea. Um, and... <laughs> That one can is IOC approved, but USAPL is not. Weird. But it has a larger following than Powerlifting. Powerlifting America, you it, a couple of years ago when it first like they initially made the split, um, they USAPL split from the IW from the IPF because they were drug testing too much. Uh, they had a specific amount of drug tests. From what I understand, it was like we can only we were doing ten percent, mm-hmm. and they were doing 25, 20%. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're going to drug test more often. And it's like, well, no, you're not. That's not what the water rules state. It's like, well, we're trying to make sure that we're doing these things that help prevent so that by the time we get to the IPF, the IOC will approve us to get into the Olympics. And they were like, well, no, that's not the way we're going to do it. You're going to go out. Wow. Yeah. Wild. And so USAPL pulled off. And then the I and then Powerlifting America came into existence, and now there's only you, a couple, when they first originated, you didn't have to really put up a total outside of more than zero to qualify for worlds, hmm. which is sad. Yeah, wow. So these are supposed to be the best of the best. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think. I mean, because the IOC, so it's like IOC is really like the top level of like all, when you go all the way through like the International Olympic Committee and then it's IWF and it's just always been so top down from in weightlifting from that standpoint, there's been a couple efforts to make like, not like a side league, but sort of like, sort of a split. And I think the effort was like to make it more entertaining, music, prizes and all this, all of that would be really helpful. Like when it comes to like athlete participation, but there is, and, and currently there's actually a split going on between USA weightlifting and masters weightlifting, which I'm like less than a year from like having to experience myself. And I don't really fully understand what that's all about. And, but that makes me even sad that they're branching off because until that happened. We've really all been under the parent parent company sort of of USA weightlifting. Uh, whether they have like made good decisions or poor decisions, everybody has many different opinions about it. But like it was still like all sort of that like theme, like all the rules for any weightlifting meet every anywhere from local to like the Olympics, that's all under the same like rule book, like same like drug testing, like, you know, there's Drug tests don't really come to local meets, but you know, like the idea is it's all really the same experience, whether you are at a local meet or, you know, a huge meet. We drug tested at at 10% of all local meets. There was drug testing once at a local meet um, that I was a part of, but it was because there were some like national level lifters. That's part, so if you do mm-hmm. want to go to like the Olympics actually, or inter- compete internationally, you do have to be like in the drug testing pool. Uh, more explicitly than the, like just I have like I've actually literally never been drug tested, which is kind of was at the time when I was really competitive was a little sad to me because I was like yeah like I wish somebody was like she's probably like she's probably like nobody was like watching me snatch and being like yeah she's definitely like on on the sauce <laughs> like, we, we can pass yeah, let's but, go drug somebody but, but like yeah like she's she, she's good she's Rogers lifter she's not gonna be breaking any rules like, I kind of wish somebody was like oh yeah that's a little suspicious that she's as strong and amazing as she is like nobody's ever done that twenty years in and I'm still like you know now I'm like you know like don't drug test me like, but like, at the point when i was like really competitive it's like 
come on, like <laughs> at least one. Like, like, yeah, give me one. I've meddled a couple times at different things that weren't that important. It was never gold, but like, <laughs> like I don't know. It was, yeah, but getting drug tested is a, is a weird experience. I've never been out of meat drug tested. We have OMTs, so that that's what you have to do yeah. to be uh, lifting internationally, like to be considered for the Olympics. And and again, that's why you would need a coach who's very well versed in like all the rules. And that's an example of like one of the rules that you would need to know about and be part of and on top of. I'm a water drug testing officer so if i'm if i'm anywhere in the area of an olympic athlete then i can they can just like hey we're gonna send you this uh drug test this is the person's information uh this is where they exist it, this between these times you should be able to find them and if they don't then we have a protocol on like okay you have this amount of time and you, you, there's a whole there's a Your whole step. And yeah. Thing, yeah and so it was kind of fun to be like to have friends who were in the who were on the OMT and then I would come in and to, to do the drug test and I'd show up to their house it's like you have one hour that's your cap yeah and if you're not here then I'm gone and if they don't make it then they fail and then they're kicked out it, it was crazy like wow. it was it was it was cool I guess I did get OMT'd. I get I got out of meat tested once in my career at I was in the middle of a training session. I used to work at Gold's Gym and they it was like a, like three people that showed up at the at, at in at the front and they were like, We're here to drug test, Ben. And I was like, Huh? Really? That's wild. <laughs> for, for a while that was like an actual like goal of mine. Like I wish. <laughs> like it's a, that sounds cool. It's a, like, it is it's, it's only once. Like I know like if they're showing up at like six AM like what is showing up at like six AM, like right. where you live, like that's not like cool. But like to be thought of like one time, like, oh yeah, like wow, Ben is so let's just make sure. Ben is like so strong in his squatting. Let's just like double check that he's not like <laughs> just make sure. Right, exactly. It's, it's fun. It's it's kind of a it's a very awkward experience to 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 do the test, but not initially to get the test. To get the test okay. is kind of like it was a little bit of a flex. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There, yeah, 100 There there is one guy that we had on the team who got uh blood tested before he left the States. And then when we got to um, our destination and as soon as at the airport, drug like pulled blood and then pulled blood again it was that's cool it was wild he's an insane kid he still exists now ashton ruska he still exists he still exists he's still around the guy is insane man it's just wow. oh man it's he's a wild guy but um to do the test was like you, you're watching somebody just whip it out and like yeah. I, like i'm i'm here to like were I, you only allowed to do men only allowed to do men did you ever have anybody test hot never did because yeah. I'd be like, hey, bud, like you show up at, like, at a friend's house, like, I'm here, like your friend to do your drug test. And like, then like it comes back later that they were hot and be like, like that would be really That'd like, be a wild. awkward experience. That yeah. would be an awkward experience. More awkward, awkward than just like having them like whip it out. Yeah, <laughs> like, that would yeah, be a more awkward experience. Like, oh, like, sorry about that. Like, but also maybe you should have not done that. Like, I don't know. There's like that's why, this, of, that's why yeah. we exist. That's why I am doing this thing. And it was like, I'm going to follow every step of this rule and not going to fuck anything up. It was kind of, yeah. it was also like a, it was like being a ref, but like yeah. almost a, a, like a step up from yeah. like being the ref. Uh, I like to be a ref. I like to be a no lift kind of like, you're going to either your knees are locked out or they're not. Right. Yeah, it is what it not. is. Yeah. Um, and, and same kind of thing. It's like, you, I'm going to, I'm going to watch you pee and it is what it is, what it is. Yeah. You made your choices or your knees locked or they didn't, I guess. Like, I guess that's sometimes not a choice. Yeah. Sometimes we're trying to lock out those elbows or whatever. And we just can't. <laughs> An extra yeah. little. 
Push. A little bent or whatever. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> What's the guy's name? Usha or um, Washa? Uh, Yasha. Yasha? No. The oh, big Lasha. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, said, so I said a name. And- no, 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 no. That's like, <laughs> they're just different people. Okay. Like, okay. They're just different people. Okay. So yeah. Lasha, uh-huh. I, I'm, again, I was, I was his perspective. I, I don't know much about how the, how often there's drug testing outside of what you've told me so far. Um, but it seems like, I'll, like, it's weird to me that Dr. Whatever his name is, is constantly posting all of his stuff and like watches the way, like is that close to his training? It's weird. Yes. Yes. Um, taking a step sideways from that. Cause like there's international, like there's such like, there's such a level of like hypocrisy with like appreciating international lifters. Like Lasha is a lot of people's like favorite lifter. Cause he's the strongest human, like in weightlifting on the planet Insane. right now. Like he's the super, he's like just been killing it. And there's like other lifters that are people's favorites, but like pretty much a lot of like those international lifters, like we are drug tested a lot here in the United States. Um, not me, but other people, <laughs> other people. <laughs> and, um, yeah. so, so good. So, I'll let it go someday. <laughs> Maybe one day. Not, today's not that day. Oh, at, clearly. <laughs> at the next meeting, somebody's like, we heard. All right. We're yeah, gonna- <laughs> no, come on. Here's your fucking drug test. <laughs> local date. Now? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like, take it, I guess. But anyway, um, th- th- so like there's such a level of like, I think a lot of people presume that there is a level of substance being used to like supplement that training. And I think that's probably pretty accurate for a lot of international lifters. Like there are not a lot of people going to like North Korea to drug test those athletes. Like, and that is literally one of the problems that's keeping us maybe out of the Olympics is that's it's, it's, it's to do with drug testing and that kind of structure that's causing our harm to the Olympics that we might not be like accepted as an Olympic sport anymore. Um, but there's like, yeah, but so many people are just like crazy about his lifting, you know? Right. So there's such a, such a like it hype about brings people into the brings sport, people into the sport. But to me, and this is probably because Roger was my coach. Um, or maybe this is how I was thinking about it anyway, is that to me, it's like part of the rules. And like, just as it's illegal to press out your elbow, like, in a jerk or a snatch and you would be called as a no lift for that. It's illegal to be taking that whatever is on that list of substances and be caught for it in competition. I suppose it's about like the being caught in competition. There's in competition, like in and out of competition things like THC, you can have out of competition, but cannot test positive for in competition. Mm -hmm. So there's some of those things that are like, you know, a little bit different, but for the most part, it's like, these are the things that you cannot take. And if you do like your list don't count, like to me, it's about as cut and dry as that. Um, but it's, that's not really what gets people like hyped up, <laughs> you know, and interested in the sport. Exactly. So, but I also, you know, there's a certain amount of like, like you could obviously make such an argument, like for steroids, like recovering and like, especially when it comes to men rather than women, just like, of like how our bodies are like a little bit different. That's also part of the reason it's never really appealed to me. Um, like as, as a female, like I just don't really want to mess with my, like those side effects, which seem to be more severe for like women than like men. You don't want to do your voice and not facial really. structure change? No, no, not really. That's <laughs> my, and it's just, um, yeah. So, it's just, that, so that alone, like, I think that alone for me is enough of a deterrent, but to me, it's really just always been as clear cut as like, these are, this is what you can do or can't do in competition. Um, and and, and, and I don't like judge people like people who like are just like gym people or 
aren't in a situation where they have to be drug tested, take, take whatever you want, like to the risk of your own health. Yeah. But like, you, I'm not going to be like, Oh wow. Like you're taking steroids. Like that's terrible and bad. Yeah. Like, no, that's not at all the thing. It's more about like, these are the rules that we agreed all to play by like fucking follow the rules. Yeah. That's, that's more where I kind of fall, fall on it. Do I enjoy Wash is lifting, yes, but there's other international lifters, especially women, that I'm like more inspired by personally. Like, um, but like, you know, you never know, you never know like when people are being like real and like what they're training about. Like, even if you're drug testing, like it's you know, always a mystery. What are some other women that you do appreciate? Toma is always like, uh, is that the girl with the significant back step? Yeah. Well, the, the, he's talking about the back foot hitting first in the jerk. Yeah. And just like, yeah, she's, she's pretty incredible. She's been one of my favorite recently. Uh, just, you know, Maddie has always been one of my favorite lifters too. At first she came onto the scene super hot as a good junior and a youth lifter. And it was like, who is she? Like, who is she who has been here for a minute and snatching more than I have ever? Like, rude. And she's young and beautiful. Like, once I got over that, <laughs> once I got over that, I was like, oh, she's, like, pretty amazing. And, I, like, she's done so much for the sport just, like, in being, like, just who she is. Like, just getting people into the sport, I guess. Yeah. There's uh, uh, When I first started, especially Lydia Valentine from Spain was a really big lifter. Um, and she was, she was a lifter who was admired by a lot of like both men and women. She had a really like strong, hyper feminine girly side, which has been, which is kind of rare in weightlifting or can be rare in weightlifting, which I like, I kind of enjoy, I guess, obviously like in the way that I like post on Instagram and things, but I was inspired by her like a lot. Like she would always kind of like have pink accessories. And that's part of like, that was part of my lifting for when I was like, a you know, you know, good seniors lifter. I was like, always having like kind of the pink singlet or pink, you know, accents in the outfit that I would wear. And a lot of it was like a nod to Lydia because she was always like a very inspiring athlete. That's yeah. awesome. It seems like you've brought a lot of people to the sport just from, from an outside perspective again, but like, just, just if I looked at followers on mm-hmm. Instagram or TikTok or things or how many views we're getting, like you, you're exposing people constantly to what this sport can do and can look like. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. Yeah. It's cool to see. It's cool to hear. It's, I think that you probably are that person for other people. I don't know that you feel that way, but you probably, <laughs> so. you probably are. I that's hope gotta so. Feel, that's gotta be a good feeling. It is. When I, when I first started, there weren't a lot of people I could point to. There were, there wasn't a lot of anything in weightlifting that I was like aware of. So maybe it was just my, like me being naive in the sport and not knowing where the resources were, but there, there were very few people like, Oh, like, look, you can still be really girly and do the sport because of this lifter or that lifter. Um, there were some that were pointed out to me, but it wasn't as many as there are now. And just the sport wasn't where it is now as well. It was a much smaller, tighter knit community. It was more like a local lifting scene almost at the national level. And now it's exploded to be much more than that. So the nationals even has changed kind of like in the experience of going, like we're used to know every single person pre CrossFit kind of as like the OG, like Olympic lifters, but a lot, we've had a lot of like influx, which is amazing. Cause like our sport has grown. And, um, but I, I'm hoping to be part of that growth. Like I think right now my role is really to be an ambassador for the sport. I've kind of thought that for a long time, like I'm not going to be going to the Olympics. I've known that for some years now, like I want to brings people into the sport. Um, one example that I talk to people about is, um, for a lot of years, people would say, oh, I found weightlifting through Cal Strength and like Cal Strength videos on YouTube. They were one of the first like teams to really like video their crazy workouts and put them on YouTube and they made them entertaining and not just like, oh, they're lifting and lifting, 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 but like kind of the antics in between as well. And like the bro sessions and like that aspect. And a yeah. lot of people were like, oh, I found weightlifting through through this. My hope is that like 
in in some amount of years, they'll be like, oh, I saw this like TikTok girl or I saw this Instagram girl and she was doing a snake. Like, and it ends up like that maybe that was like my like contribution that like people like think to even pick up a barbell because you know, they see a TikTok or even that the deterrent of like, you're going to look like a man, you're going to like, right. just like, maybe really, your voice is going to drop an octave and all of these like things that people still kind of presume like, yes, we've kind of busted through a lot of that myth, but not really like a lot of people that still like, well, I can't do that. Like, I'm hoping that like that my like presence is like, well, no, you can even more. You can still yeah. get your nails done and right. have nice hair right. and wear whatever pink. Yeah. Yeah. And still and lift a fuck ton of weight yeah right right and there were just weren't as many examples when i was starting off and so i'm hoping i hope that is the case for other people i think that i think that it feels weird to attribute success to a to a certain following i think that maybe it's still new to me to be able to see that but obviously what you're doing is as attracted enough people that they're like I want to watch this thing, whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever is going on on this page is something that I want to follow. And, mm-hmm. and if you have a hundred thousand people following what you're doing, then yeah. it's, I don't think that it's just by happenstance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's obviously impacting other individuals. And I think that, I, and I hope, I think that it is, but I, I also hope that it is a reality that you are bringing people into a spark because ultimately what is a goal of mine is just to bring some awareness into making like taking charge of your own life in some sort of way Mm -hmm. and not really caring about what other people are trying to put you like what society wants to put you in a box for whether that be to Mm -hmm. to be only men can only react with anger women can only be in um in, in a world of um of of nails done and a side piece or like mm-hmm. my, my my arm candy right like mm-hmm. it's no you, you can get calluses on your hands mm-hmm. and get your nails done and have a line of a barbell on your back and maybe a slight callus from the barbell yeah. back squat yeah. but you you know you can go out with your girls and have a glass of wine and have a good time like all of those things can coexist it does mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be a box right right and there were there were so many women who did this before me so it feels like a li- I, I don't mean to be like insulting to the work that they did but I feel like I made my own box in a lot of ways in that regard like there were just weren't a lot of people who were doing it and there, there were people maybe but not as ma- not as many as there are now and I feel like I'm hoping that I contribute to, it, to that at least yeah I think that the more you do these kinds of things the more that people can see yeah right and it's like oh man she's also a teacher she's an educator yeah she's a coach she's an athlete yeah. she's been she's been coach she's coachable like has a voice, can speak, can be articulate. She's smart. Like it's like, you don't, I think it's, and maybe I'm speaking more from a a male perspective for like other, it's like, but people in general, because when I was in high school, I remember it's like, oh, if I, if I have, if I don't have knowledge, that's, I'm really good at calculus, but I really know biomechanics, but in high school, nobody really cares about biomechanics and I'm dumb. And I had this like, if I'm, I'm a meathead, I'm in the gym. I'm like, there's just like still the stereotype that, Oh, if you're in the gym all the time, you're probably a meathead. But some mm-hmm. of the smartest people I know I found through powerlifting mm-hmm. and through sport. Like yeah. it's, there's so like, and, and we know that, that, that it, it helps create life inside of the brain and like lets you, it postpones Alzheimer's and dementia. And like, there's so many benefits to doing this thing and, and puts off depression and like in the community it, I, and on and on and on. Like yeah. there's so much value and, and like you can, you can be all of these things and lift weights. It's, right. it's beautiful. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and, and and just in general, it's just more popular with women these days. And I love seeing that. Like when I, when I first was in high school, I have a very strong memory of, I know could tell you exactly where I was sitting in the high school, like weight room. Some like kid came up to me and was like, do you know, you're the only girl in here. Right. And there were like maybe 50 people like in there, like all other boys. Like, yeah, he was correct. But like, <laughs> I like looked around and I was like, well, yeah, but like, it's really changed so much since then. It's not, it's really cool that like in the whole like scope of human existence, that this pretty recent amount of time that like we've really been exploring and discovering like limits of like human strength, whether through powerlifting or Olympic lifting, just those like. And, and how that affects the brain and all the other parts of like, that is a really untapped science still, like compared to like what it was just a For little sure. bit of time ago. It's really insane. It's a cool time to be alive. It is a very cool time yeah. to be alive. And I think that I, I see a lot of women lifting on and doing the, Olymp the, the Olympic lifts and also in the powerlifting community. And I also think that it's cool because I, I think that it forces and my, I think it forces men to not just be a, to be a gym hab or a gym bro in some sort of way, but like, I'm not, I'm not posting my only my workouts every single day, but I got to be a little bit more diverse. I have to be a little bit more uh, self-aware. I need to be a little bit more of an educator or educated, um, be able to impact other individuals. So I need to be a little bit more vulnerable. Like it, 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 you, you're almost forced to, if you want to grow in that space, then you're almost forced to be more complex. Yeah. Yeah. To develop yourself a little bit more. It, it, you, I think that it, you not only is it that you're an attractive lady who's maybe posting these, these, these Instagram reels, but you're also doing the gym thing and creating like, like knocking down a norm that is, it, um, or a stereotype that, that doesn't need to exist anymore. Right. And that's a big part of like why I like post the way that I do. It's like likes are like gratifying. Sure. You get like the positive, like, you know, hits to the like, you know, serotonin or whatever, like that you like dopamine, I guess that you like, you know, get from like seeing like the likes of a virus, if a video goes particularly viral. But like, my hope is more is that it's bigger than that. It's not about like, you know, oh, look at my physique doing this like cool move. Like it's more about like, you can like be really girly and, and do this really strong sport and they're not mutually exclusive. And it's not just a macho thing. It's, it can be a really graceful thing. And yeah, I, that's, that's kind of like the, what I really hope to be doing by like, you know, the way I am on social media, I suppose. I think, uh, a hot take. Uh, I, I don't like where men are taking and just claiming that they are now women and then going into the sport and then almost, I don't know, ruining the sport, but like taking away from the progress that's been made for women in sports. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's frustrating. It's not fair. It's dangerous. Uh, if you think like, I like to think about fighting. If, if, um, uh, a, a natural born male who had testosterone for a long time comes into a ring with, uh, who has changed genders and, and is now, in competition with a, a female, like there's severe damage mm -hmm. that can exist and mm -hmm. it's happening in powerlifting. It's happening. In, I don't know, in weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I don't, I don't know what the, 
I don't know that it's an, a separate federation, not a federation, but in a separate um, category. But I, I, I'm interested to see how we continue to develop around that space. So my uh, experiences of that have, have changed a lot of the last year. And I'm going to tell you about it because I used to sort that used to be my most like conservative take and just like political thought in general. Um there are, and and I think it's it's a very complex thing. It's more complex than most people care to educate themselves about. And I will say this: that I think I, although you are somebody who like appreciates like women's weightlifting and powerlifting and these different sports, most people who speak on this couldn't tell you any female Olympians that we've ever had for weightlifting. So like, if you don't really care about our sport, like, who are you to like be like coming in like? giving opinions about that. So that's one thing that I've just sort of like, that's kind of been a thought that I've like sort of think, started thinking about, but I actually, and I've always been from when I was younger and it was like more unpopular, much, much more unpopular that I would, um, that I've always been an ally for the LGBTQIA community. One of my lifters actually is a trans woman. And I have actually learned a bunch about how weightlifting has approached trans athletes through her. Um, and I think the actual start of the whole, not the whole problem, but the, uh, the start of uh, a lot of this is that we st- separated men's and women's sports. Like there's obviously in ways that it should be separated, but gender is not like a binary in that strict of a manner. And it's, and so that alone makes it more complex of an issue than most people would care to admit. Um, it is, although a lot of people float the idea of like, there could be a separate se- category of like, for trans people, like that, the problem with that is one of the major problems with that is that 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 automatically outs all of those lifters, where they could be passing as a female, meaning you pass them on, on the sidewalk, you would never know that that person used to be a male. And in today's society, it's incredibly dangerous to be a trans person. And so if we have a whole separate category, these are the trans people of USA weightlifting, let's have them all compete against each other. That's going to, that's automatically outing people when they don't necessarily want to be out. That's good. So that's interesting, right? That is interesting. That's good. I never yeah. thought about that. And, um, and, and the other aspect of it is, um, the, the sport, and this is, this was always my struggle with it initially before I even had, um, my amazing trans athlete that I do have. It was my struggle was also that it has been such an empowering experience for me as a woman, as an athlete, as a person that like, it's so tragic to deny somebody that just at all. You know, that, 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 that their experience can't be, you know, at all similar. Um, and, and one thing that I also learned, for example, like we're trying, we, she's competed, but, um, uh, it was sort of in, 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 I don't exactly remember the, the, the word wording for it, but like the results didn't actually like fully officially count, but she was allowed to compete with, with like the group, um, group of like lift the female lifters. Um, but you have to be on there's certain rules that you have to be documentedly on like uh, the hormones that you need to be on for two years. And there's a, there's a whole process of like applying and uh, being accepted like through that officially. And you can't like switch back, you know, at all. And um, I, I, and, and although that there are aspects that maybe feel unfair and I, I fully like, <sighs> You know, if you have like fully grown up and you're like, for example, the, w- the reason that we have a women's bar is because our hands gen- genetically for all women are like gen- generally smaller than men's hands. And 
the full 20 kilo bar is really hard. It actually can become a limiting factor. And, um, so once, so that's an example of like, you were able to grow and your hands are possibly bigger, but it's those, (laughs) I don't know. It's just a tricky thing. Like to me, I would rather that like people can be a part of this amazing sport. It gets, I will not deny that it gets tricky in some of those ways that we think about it and it can feel unfair in certain ways that we think about it. But I would also, I also really roll my eyes super hard when like men who are, have never been interested nor cared about a a women's Olympic. And that goes for actual coaches who are the coaches and athletes and everybody who are like still in the community. Like a lot of the older people, like uh, my coach, Charlie in particular was a huge advocate of women's lifting. He's 84. And that's very unusual for somebody of that generation, like loved women's lifting was all about it. Like a hype man, like really interested in it would follow the sport. Like he is somebody who really like, you know, he's just like, you know, somebody who like would speak, like he's somebody who's an actual fan of women's sports, but yeah. so many of these people who are speaking to this are not fans of women's sports. Yeah. They're just like kind of from the outside, kind of like, not like a mansplaining but there's some kind of like stealing of that. Like, I guess um, from the female perspective, I guess. So from what I understand in powerlifting, it's you, you, I could, I could get up today and say, I am now a female athlete mm-hmm. and go compete in my weight class against other female Mm -hmm. athletes. And that to me is, is frustrating. I I didn't know that there were more rules around it until I, we were navigating how to get her to compete. So it's maybe that, maybe that's not necessarily the case in, in, in your sport. Cause I didn't know that there were, those rules about it, but yeah. I, t- I honestly, I thought we'd, we'd be, have no problem like signing up for me. Like I was not really sure about it, but I, we, we should have done more research about it. So soon she can. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm sure that it, there, that's a lot more complicated than I yeah. understand. That's also the take that I've also always settled on. If it is more complicated than I can understand and it seems to be, and maybe even more complicated than what science where science is at right now um, in terms of like human development and strength and what's the boundaries of fairness, I guess, in that regard, then if we are, if there's any unsureness, we should like settle on the side of compassion and inclusion rather than saying absolutely not, I guess. I'm I'm not sold on the absolutely not. I think that Mm -hmm. it's like, how can we come to a, and I guess maybe because it's always changing and there's never really like a, you have a good point. Like you can't create a a Mm -hmm. trans group if they'd ever wanted to be. Mm exposed yeah. or come out or whatever it may be. Um, and, and, and everybody that. has different hormonal pro- profiles as it is. I mean, to be fair, I've competed against what I assume are cis like women uh, who, and like, yeah, I could just be like more jacked in general, but like are so like, I don't think my body can like do that. And maybe their hormonal prof- profile is like already different. There's already going to be a lot of like, those nuances that I'm just not educated on. And I, maybe I should be considering that I do consider myself like an ally of that community and I should like know more about it, but it's, it's just, a li- at least we couldn't agree that it's a little bit more complicated than just, you know, saying that you're, you know, like now that you are now, for example, like you wouldn't be able to switch back, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in USA weightlifting, you can't just be like, Oh, like we're doing this on and a whim. I'm- we're doing this on a whim. Like it has to be two years of you actually taking like drugs, like pr- like putting up with all of the negative things that society is like now 
like it really has come to the forefront of like political thought these days um, because it's a marginalized community and it's just like a popular thing to be heated about right now. Um, but yeah, we just like we have got to do like a little bit of a better job of being compassionate with that. I do and don't like it. I don't. I don't even don't like like stepping into the conversation a little bit. Like part of me is like, oh, I want to get out of this like halfway in because it's because it is so touchy. Like you could say something that's a little incorrect or a little bit weird mm-hmm. or and and I would like to be. Um, I'm. I'm I want to be as inclusive as possible, but if I'm just uneducated, it's not intentional. Yeah. And I think that's part of where allies come in. Um, So like being like personally, like as a cis straight person and like knowing what those terms even mean or how you would talk about somebody who has transitioned um, in a way that's respectful to them. Like uh, that takes a certain amount of education. Like, and, and, and when kind of like when you're like new to lifting, like you might not know that it's like, an impolite or a faux pas to like step on the bar right now, actually that would get you a no lift in competition. Like you can't put the bottom of your foot on the bar, but there are certain things that are just like, you wouldn't know because you don't know. But like, that's part, that's the role of people who have been in the sport for a long time being, Hey, you didn't know this, but don't step over the bar. Don't step on the bar like that. And and some people, to some people that means more like those small actions of being respectful to the barbell mean more, not, not slamming the bar mean more than to other people. But I do think that there's a role of like in, in like, trans and like, you know, LGBTQIA plus like issues of like an ally who can like explain things like, uh, like what I, like my, my athlete, like I would it, like, you know, I would, you know, talk about her and the correct pronouns and like how to, how to do that when you're unsure, or especially it can, can be confusing for people who are like non-binary and have never met somebody who is like, that can be really a difficult thing to navigate. Even if your intention is to be respectful, for example, in the South, a lot of people will go, sir, ma'am. And that's just like, if you don't say that, it's like actually quite rude, but like to somebody who's non-binary, that's also not a, that's not like how there's, there's tricky things. And I think as a society, we've got to figure it out, but like, uh, it starts with like, just kind of talking about it. And if you're uncomfortable, or even if you are, if you know that, like, you're like, I, maybe I'm not educated on this. Did I even say that? Right. Like if you meet somebody who's trans, gay, non-binary, like, am I, am I addressing you correct? Like, you know, if I say yes, sir, is that okay? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like just, you can just ask, like a lot of people like realize that it's new for the mo for the a commonplace person to be, even aware, even to like, know that like, that might not be right. You know, but like, if we can all at least try to be like respectful, I think that's like the first spot to start respectful and then open to like learning about it. It's, it's complex. I think Mm -hmm. is, is the, and, and I think Sarah, there are times where I feel maybe, um, I don't know. I don't know if self-conscious, but like, do I, do I say, sir? Do I say, ma'am? Do I, do I, is, is it weird to ask? Mm-hmm. Is it, sir? Okay, ma'am. It's, it's not weird, weird to ask. Or wrong. You can always you know? ask from what I've learned, from what I've learned, it's also respectful. <clears throat> like, for example, like, do I call you Ben or Benjamin? It's kind of like that. When I first meet okay. you, like, like I, like I want to call you, you know, our coworker, Jeff, Jeff or Jeffrey. He didn't really care either way. Like, all right, then I'll make up my mind and I'll just call you, you know, you know, like whatever it's, it's, it's very similar to that. Okay. Like, Hey, like, and I, there was a client that we had, uh, or like as a member at our, our gym. And I was like, are, is it Dom or Dominic? I knew it was one of the two. I, I just don't know. Would you mind refreshing my memory? Like it's, it's, it's like it's very great, similar. It's, it's maybe a little bit more vulnerable because you haven't done it before. Like, yeah. Hey, can I call you sir or ma'am? And you're like, not, it's a little bit, it feels maybe more personal than just like a name yeah. of like, uh, I'm not really sure. But if you, 
but that's like a step better than just assuming and like saying like what you kind of think and not, you know, even inquiring. I Can guess. I just take a name? Hmm? Can I just use the name? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I mean, of course. Hey, what's up, John? Yeah. Just yeah. use John until the day yeah. I die. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like confused that like the pronoun things is a, is a bigger deal. For example, if I was like, Hey, there was a person here at the gym who left all of their weights on the bar and they left this huge mess in the corner of the gym. And they like, they had dumbbells around. They had brought over the BOSU like half thing. Like it was just a mess. And it, like, they just left it there. Like they, like you wouldn't know if it's a guy, like male or female, but they did it. Yeah. So I think like people kind of like, there's a way, there's a way to like be inclusive. The, the certain man thing, there are certain things that are like, there's not really like a non-binary option, spouse, husband, wife. Like there are some things that are difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you can just ask too, a lot of times. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing to ask. It's, it's respectful to ask, especially if you don't know. I think that, I think that would like often like make somebody feel seen more than like, oh, how dare you ask if I'm male or female or what? It's like, oh yeah, thanks for asking this. This is how I prefer it. It's good. I got to do that more often. Yeah. I got to do that. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's also the thing that's tricky for a lot of other people is it's a, it's a very uncommon, it's still a relatively uncommon experience to meet somebody who's out and clearly non-binary trans or one of those more vernacularly confusing, you know, yeah. Categories, I guess. It's there's, there's a, there's a safety in the binary. Yes. And simplicity. And simplicity. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, before we get off, is there anything else? That, I like, so two things, anything mm-hmm. else that you would like to talk about before we get off? Mm-hmm. What is that? Oh, <clears throat> Nothing in particular. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, then where can people find you? Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at Nat Joyfully on TikTok and Twitter. Or no, no, not, not Twitter. My Twitter's private, but sorry, TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just use Twitter. It's like, it's dying anyway. You know, like it it's, just, it's just, yeah, no, on, on, on Instagram. Not Twitter. Not Twitter. No, I go to I don't follow. I got, you won't see anything. It's not exciting. There you go. <laughs> Don't even bother. Uh, but yeah, um, but um, I also do one-on-one coaching. Like I coach in person and I coach coach a lot of remote athletes. So if you're thinking about doing Olympic lifting, like you can squat and pull and you're like, I'd like to try snatching. I'd like to try clean and jerks. Um, wherever you're at, like in that spec, as long as you can like squat and pull pretty safely with like decent form, like we can teach you Olympic lifting from afar. So I've coached, like I have lifters from, you know, New Zealand to like, you know, England and stateside all over the place. So uh, if you're interested, that's a really uh, valuable way to like learn the Olympic lifts, especially if there's not anybody who's an expert in your area. A CrossFit coach is helpful and they might be able to like help you out, but you will just get some like to snatching and clean jerking better, faster under the guidance of an actual Olympic lifting coach who did not start in CrossFit. It's just, it's just a little bit more precise and it's just a little bit um, more true to the sport. Uh, Not to say that like CrossFit coaches cannot be also fantastic weightlifters, but they're more of a jack of all trades type of sport and weightlifting just focused on this only for really 20 years, pretty much. So that's the difference. That's the big ticket. It's, it's the fact that you're just, I'm not going to go to an orthopedic surgeon for maybe some, I mean, this is not the best analogy, but for my foot stuff, I'm going to go to podiatrist for my foot stuff. Like it gets that precise and you are 
that precise right. you yeah. are very very good at these movements um communicate very well she's coached me on my snatch um and my clean jerk and my, my clean and my jerk yeah, um, yeah and it's you just you have an expertise yeah it's it's just also really fun so if you're even thinking about doing it like let's 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 try yeah everybody starts out bad at snatching everybody starts out bad at cleaning jerks kind of you know or not great you, you got know. it you got i mean you got to start somewhere yeah, everybody has to start somewhere so like no matter yeah like we, we can do it for sure. Yeah. It's a fun time. And then two more questions. Cause I forgot I had this other one for, for sure. you. Um, how did you, how did you start growing on the TikToks and in the Instagrams? Like, how did you gain such a following? I just had a couple of videos go viral. Wild. That's so fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird. Um, some of them are, they go viral in a fun way and some of them go viral in a really horrible way. And it depends on <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I have really learned <laughs> to separate, try to separate like the, I try not to read the comments, especially when it goes really crazy and viral. Um, so for basically the answer is I've had some videos go viral. Like I've always had sort of a following cause I sort of found Instagram like early enough so that it was like kind of on the forefront of that nice. and like just kind of had the look that people might want to follow a little bit anyway. Um, but like, I definitely had just some videos like kind of really take off and, um, sometimes, and to be honest, it's a lot about who I, we talked about this before about, it's about, it's about it's the bigger percentage men watching or women watching. So on my TikTok, if you know, anybody scrolls through my TikTok, like I use, there's a certain sound of like God is a woman by Ariana Grande that I use often in slow motion snatches. It's just like the moves, like the move and the audio, like go well together. But a big part of the reason I use that is it like generates like more female, like followers i get more of a comments of like yes oh you did that like like nice. just super <laughs> positive <laughs> oh the most hyping up like yeah like this is only like a 75 kilo like not that good clean but you were just like uh, like just like snaps her dad like just excited like you were like my niece could never like all the positive results whereas if i post like some like some other videos will just get in a it'll go viral in a wow you are just the nastiest things and in, in both like sexually nasty and just mean and like, yeah, it, it really depends. So I've had videos go like both ways and it's obviously like the, the, uh, fun way is way more fun, but, um, yeah, it's wild to uh, see that like in the negative way. And it's kind of, it's, it's a lot of it is like, just, I've noticed, uh, projection on the part of the people commenting their keyboard warriors that, you know, um, one of the things, one of the, I kind of miss that this isn't the case anymore, but I guess if you get enough likes per second per minute on Instagram, they do not give you not notifications anymore. So if you go in the, you know, you open up your Instagram and you see, oh, like 32 likes and we you know two follows or whatever. If that rate is too fast and like you would close out Instagram and go back and it'd be a hundred and a hundred. If that happens enough, they just stop giving you that notification. So you don't even have to like not that you have to read the comments anyway, but it makes it much easier not to nice. read those comments. That's and it's really helpful. That was really nice. And, and I was really sad when my notifications came back because I like was notified and people would say nasty things. <laughs> like, oh, great. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. And so like, yes, I'm doing some good, good things like helping weightlifting through that. But like, yeah, there's like that side of it too, which is not great. I saw one um, of your, I guess, slapbacks, if you will. Mm. Somebody posted. Oh, yeah. I, I do sometimes shit. entertain them. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. But like. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, yeah. how do you clean shit off of your singlet or so, something? I was like, what? Yeah. And I forgot what your reply was. <laughs> so, so I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. So the, the outfit is a bodysuit and it is a very low in the back bodysuit and it has a scrunch butt. So it's very like. It's quite honestly, it's very sexy. It's very cute. I'm like doing like, I'm like snatching like literally like 35 kilos. Like it's not (laughs) impressive. And you know what? I get a comment of fake weights. I'm like, oh my God. Number one, where do you get fake weights? I would buy those for social media. Like that would be great. I would do that. That sounds fun. Like that sounds way less fun than like actually lifting this heavy ass weight. But like, so that's just. Beside that, like people, like like people were really focused on like how does she take a shit like in like in any bodysuit or like in any like unitard like swimsuit one piece. Yeah, you have to take the top off. Like hello, but I was like I don't know, like just oh oh it was it was like uh, why how do you wipe the like skid marks off of your things? That's what it was. And I was like I just wipe my ass. You should try it. Like Jesus, (laughs) like gross. Like why? Like like that's the kind of comment that and that's like one of the that's like one of the like that's like par for the course of like the nasty comments that I get. Like but I will slap back some of the time. But a lot of times they're just doing it to get a rise out of you. But I. but especially with women, sometimes I'll, if they go like, oh, like, you know, it's such a holy, like, why'd you wear that? Like in the, da, da, da. Like, I'll, I'll, like, Hey girl, I love like lifting in sweatpants and like chalk and like no mirrors and like whatever too. Like, but sometimes I want to look like really cute and lift yeah. like, like you do you girl. Like don't like, and I'll try to like come back, come at them with like, Hey, like you, like, I like this too. Like, don't like, I'm not always, always about this. Like, but like, you don't have to like judge me. Like, just don't watch my videos. That's the other thing that's wild is like, do you, do people realize that when you comment and like, or like engage on my thing, like it's going to come up a lot more. I get more so, of your shit. Like yeah. a lot more. So it's, so that's why I never really like, I do delete some of them, but like, I very rarely delete comments cause they just like feed off each other and the video goes bigger. And, um, yeah, it's, it's like, it can be hard to ignore, but like, I've learned to kind of brush it off a little bit. Every once in a while I'll get like really annoyed. Like know what you guys all say about me, but it's not why I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like, I'm interested. Yeah. I asked the question of people that do have like some sort of following just cause I've, like, it's interesting. Cause it, I think it's still, it is still fairly new Yeah, and it's like, it's, yeah. it's still this, like, like this, this, this world that, that people can see and look at. And it's, 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 it's still new. Yeah. It's still new. Yeah. Um, and then last thing, mm-hmm. just leave us with, I don't know. I, I, I like to let whoever has the, 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 the guest, the, the floor, um, kind of just say whatever they wanted to do. Like any advice, any suggestions, anything that you've learned, anything you'd like to leave us with, um, for anybody who may be listening. Yes, I do have advice. Um, I would say that when you are in any gym setting, especially this goes, this goes obviously beyond, it's like a metaphor for life. Right. But like, in gym settings, especially when things are going well, like the mix of people is really good that you're training with your coaches, you should really enjoy and cherish that time that you have together because inevitably somebody moves away, somebody passes away, somebody loses interest in the sport or gets injured. And the mix is never quite the same again. And you should just really enjoy it when it's fun, like really be present, put the phone down. It's not really about you PRing all the time. Like it's just about kind of sharing that journey together. Like I would have, I feel like I did it pretty well when I was like, you know, younger in my sport, but I just like do that more consciously now. Like, especially when things are just really fun, like enjoy each other, you know, like when things are good, like soak it in. Cause this doesn't always stay that way in the same, like 
it, it, it changes and it is good in the future too, but it's it like, you know, nostalgia, it's never quite the same. So you should enjoy it when you're in it for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 